Today I have a very special guest, Hugo Gonzalez, how are you? First of all, thanks for inviting me, it's a, it's a pleasure to be part of this podcast. Let's have some fun there. Gonzalez looking to break the record of 333.42, here he comes, Gonzalez is going to do it at the wall in 332.88, a dominant swim for the Cal Pitbull Senior. Man, this is a hell of a journey. Oh my god. Um, and you considered going to Virginia Tech, right? It was more than I considered. <laughs> so you <laughs> dropped out of a college one day into the semester? Yes. <laughs> and did you know you were going to redshirt? Uh, no. Oh no. shit. I think that was the perfect SCP for like for me to like just give up swimming. And that's what kind of happened. And I joined Cal when I had the, the call with Dave. He asked me what my goals were. I remember one of the goals that I told him was maybe breaking an NCAA record. No way! No way! <laughs> this guy was going for that record. There's no other way to put it. I mean, he put his finger up because he already knew. He knew it. Look at that's so sick. He knew it. This is the most fun I've ever had <laughs> on the podcast. But now you, you gained a, a real fan today. Keep looking for this podcast because I'm getting better and better. And I just can't wait to see how, how far you get. This week's guest is the great Hugo Gonzalez. Hugo is a two-time Olympian, both at Rio and in Tokyo, as well as now an NCAA individual champion and team champion. Back last year in 2022, he broke the 400 IM record at the NCAA championships. Since then, it's been rebroken, but he is still a record breaker in and of itself. We get to that story and many people would assume that Ugo's journey has been smooth, nice and full of success, uh, but that wasn't always the case. We talked about how he's transferred twice, how he was at three different universities in the span of a year, dropping out of college one day into the semester, redshirting as a collegiate athlete and so much more. We also talked about his <laughs> his races, um, getting ninth place, but the best time at NCAAs how COVID affected some of his best times, being the best swimmer in the 400 IM term, in terms of timing, but not necessarily having that championship under his belt until last year, and so many more things. It's truly an incredible story. It's hilarious, it's inspirational, it's emotional, it's a lot of things. It's one of my favorite episodes to this day. Incredible story, I truly am blown away. So all I can say is I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And with that being said, let's get this show running. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Denting. My name is Fernando Andrade and today I have a very special guest, someone that is a native Spanish speaker, but here we are speaking in English. Hugo Gonzalez, how are you? Hello, good, I'm good. Uh, first of all, thanks for inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be part of this podcast. And yeah, so you know, as you said, uh, my name is Hugo Gonzalez, I'm from Spain. And you know, let's have, let's have some fun there. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited for this. Um, like you said, you, you are from from Spain, and pleasure to have you here. It's a crazy story that you have. I met you a, a few weeks ago um, with Marcos, who is also here. But um, before we dive deeper into this, do you want to introduce yourself a, a bit more? Um, you're obviously from, from Spain, but a bit of, of your journey just on a personal note. Um, yeah, well, as you said, or we said before, I'm from Spain, but that's not just the... Uh um, how I identify myself. I'm a Brazilian, so I'm half Brazilian, half Spanish. Uh, also, I have family all around uh, France, all around the uh, United States, so like, I kind of mix up everything. 
Um, but you know, apart from that, um, I'm a swimmer, like part of the Calman swimming team. I've been swimming pretty much since I was like three years old. So it's uh, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope like I can I can continue like my professional career in swimming once I graduate, uh, at least for a few years. Um, other than that, I've been studying uh, Spanish and Portuguese as a major. Although I started with computer science. Um, oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, the thing is that like, it got pretty hard, especially in Berkeley. <laughs> but my goal is to still like to pursue my career there uh, once I'm graduating. So like I will be partially considered a professional athlete, I guess. But I will still be in college. So we'll see. That's the difference with swimming, right? That to be a pro athlete, you can't really do that full time. At least not yet. Um, in terms yeah. of like how schedules work and financially and, and things like that. So. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, like you mentioned, you are Spanish. You're also Brazilian. Uh, being from Spain, Brazilian blood, did you go straight into swimming or was there ever any soccer involved as well? Uh, there was. There was part of soccer. <laughs> I feel like I cannot get away from the from the culture of both sides. Uh, so I actually, my first sport, the first sport I practiced was soccer. Yeah. Um, I go into the water too when I was three years old, but like, that wasn't... That wasn't just a competitive swimming. It was just like to have fun. I was just following my dad. Whatever he he went to like have some breaks in the in the weekends uh, from work. Um, but at some point, um, you know, swimming required more hours, and you know, soccer required hours too. But I had to like pick a side. And I remember I stuck with swimming just because my coach told me that. Oh no, he she didn't tell me. She told my parents that for the first Olympian that they were gonna get in that club. I might as well just stick with it and then switch it later. Okay. And, you know, here we are like 10 years later, 15 years later. <laughs> but, but what do you mean getting the first Olympians? So there was going to be someone from your club that was going to the uh, Olympics? Well, I mean, like, there was no... We never got an Olympian from that club. So that, And she thought that I had the potential to be an Olympian. And, well, she was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so mean, it's been exciting. I mean, it's, it's been exciting, but I definitely think sometimes, like, how my life would have looked like if I chose soccer instead of swimming. That's so interesting. So what drove you, in essence, was that your coach believed in you from the get-go, and you guys had never had an Olympian from that club. Yeah. You're a two-time Olympian now, which is crazy. Um, that's, that's awesome. Did, did you like swimming more, though? Uh, well, I think at that point I was just too young, so like both sports were not really competitive for me. I was just, yeah, I, I was just having fun. It was just like a cool thing to do with my friends. Wow. Um, and I, in fact, remember the best moments of swimming at that stage of my life. It wasn't that I was swimming. It was like the, the moment before when I got out of the pool and, you know, I got to hang out with my guys or the boys. Um, just like 30 minutes before I just like come picks it up, picks it up. So, wow. Wow. That's yeah. very, very interesting. I, I hadn't asked you that on purpose. It was definitely one of the questions I had and, and something I, I meant to ask you. Um, how was your, your childhood with swimming? Something we, we've talked about is definitely the difference between like, especially for international students, right? Like mm -hmm. there's not that concept of student athlete. Um, so how did you balance that up growing up in Spain? Um, I think the general, um, the general uh, routine of being a student athlete didn't change that much because I was lucky enough to be part of a program who ran or was being run by somebody that tried to have all the best athletes in Madrid. That was the city I'm from. Um, so the, he, they tried to have the best athletes in Madrid train together and go to school together for high school. Okay. Uh, those like, like 
six years uh, before college. So I was kind of into that rhythm already. Like I knew what it was like to wake up early, get to practice, and then head to class, and then head back to practice again. And finally get back at home at like 8 p.m. to okay. keep studying and then finally back asleep. Uh, so it wasn't that much of a change. I was pretty lucky in that sense. And they were they organized that program to be able to send people to the U.S. or was it just within Spain? Um, no, it was just as a uh, like a high school program um, to try to um, elevate the level in Madrid. It wasn't really it didn't have any final final goals of like sending people to the U.S. Okay. Was that the Madrid Bears? Is that the same group or no? Oh, no, that's just a different one. Okay, different one. Okay, because yeah. I've seen they, they post a lot um, through there. Um, in terms of your youth, like you mentioned, it was just for fun. At what age did it start to get competitive for you? I know you started competing, I think it was 2016, 17, like juniors as well. Obviously, you went to Rio in 2016, but yeah. how was the youth and national team system <clears throat> for you growing up, like that competitive switch from fun to uh, all right i'm competing on a world stage yeah um well now that i'm 23 it's kind of hard to like yeah <laughs> decide what was the uh, year of the moment that i switch but if i had to pick a year it would probably be 2015 um that year was really special for me especially this summer because um it was the first kind of like international high level meet that i went to i was i qualified for uh, the 2015 World Junior Championships. And that was like the first moment when I traveled outside and I realized, like, oh, wow, like this is the level of the uh, best swimmers in the world. Like, they, they don't have to be like the pro athletes, you know, but like they were, these are the best swimmers of the age of 18 and younger. And this is how fast they're swimming. And that's, that's the moment I realized, well, it's time to get out. It's like time to like elevate our level and like, you know, get ready to compete with these guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's special, and, and it's definitely different and eye-opening. I know, like, uh, some of the things I, I was reading through, like, with articles, right, is that there isn't as much competition in Spain as there is in a country like the U.S. when it comes to swimming. So how eye-opening were those moments for you to be able to see other people that are as good as you? Were you used to that? I wasn't used to that. Uh, as you said, um, the level in Spain, I mean... I wouldn't say it's low, but you know it's just a one country side. Like you don't, you're not getting the whole picture of the uh, global uh, level, um, you know. And once I traveled, uh, I think it was Singapore. I got to see, you know, like Italian people getting to podiums and winning events, like Americans winning events, like Russians, like all the kids around the world. And I actually did pretty well. I think I got uh two medals i would i got disqualified in one <laughs> right, so i would have been three but it's okay um and that kind of set me up for the next years like i i knew that i had another opportunity to be to qualify for this meet again in 2017 so the whole goal of attending to that meet was like all right first first meet was i realized what's the level like two years later the goal, the objective was like being able to compete with these guys and maybe get a scholarship to go to the United States. Because that's when I when I started thinking about okay, my journey might might have just started. It might just started here in Spain and might end up in the United States. You know, because like in terms of swimming, there are probably like two, three countries on the top level right now. America is one of them. Yeah. So well, what would you say the other two are? Um. 
probably Rush is doing pretty well. Uh, we thought of controversy, but Rush is doing yeah. pretty well. <laughs> and Australia, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're top countries for sure. Um, with with what you started mentioning for college, was it thanks to those trips that you realized, like, oh, all of these people are committed to go to college or they are about or even in college already? Is that why you started looking at collegiate swimming? Um, I started for mainly for two reasons. Um, one of them is that, you know, obviously the team that went there, the American team in 2015, and 2017 was probably the team that scored the well not most points but you know the team that got more medals and more guys in the podium another reason for that was because i don't know if you know this guy but his name is sergio lopez i was gonna say sergio lopez yeah 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 um he was a head coach of auburn swimming team um he won uh no he didn't win he made the podium of the olympic at the olympics on the time the breaststroke in 1988 i think if i'm not right um, but you know, he, he was there, he was a Spanish kid, a guy, uh, it was easy to talk to him. Uh, so I just reached out to him after 2015 and, and, um, he didn't say he had a scholarship, but he said that I could potentially be there. And that was kind of like the, um, uh, the fire that started, you know, like the, um, do mm, you know how to say this? Um, it was what boosted my, my confidence and my motivation to like keep going. Yeah, it inspired you. Yeah. You saw another Spaniard being there, and you were like, I, I can do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So the the first thing is, obviously, you see all the Americans, and you're like, all right, I want to compete with those medals. But the second is Sergio Lopez, like you said, right? And in 2015, you reach out to him. Twenty, If you're 23 right now, you were, what, 15, 16 back then? Yeah, 16 years old. Okay, so 16 you start reaching out to him. When was it that you committed to Auburn? Did you look at other schools or, or not really? Um, not really. I knew that Florida was really well as well as uh, California, but I feel like just because the fact that I didn't know English very well at that time, it, it, just, like, it was just a limited uh, um, factor yeah. you know, that played a role in my decision. And you know, knowing that he was there, made my parents feel secure and made me feel safe too uh, but like if i struggle with anything i know that i have somebody to reach out and sadly that relationship mom the relationship didn't break you know but like i was with him for the whole season 2017 then the auburn program decided to fire all the coaches and rebuild the program yeah and that's why oh that's when i really started to like looking into different colleges yeah, yeah. So, so before we even take that leap, because I know that that's when it started to change, but how big of a leap was that for you? Because obviously, <coughs> oh, oh, no, you're good. You're good. Um, obviously, um, like you said, the swimming opportunity is there. It's amazing, right? Like we we can't deny how good the NCAA level is at least right now. Like to prep guys for for the Olympic level, which is where you're at, right? You're there. You show up in 2017. Um, you're you've ar- you're already an Olympian from 2016 in Rio. But how big was that leap? Like what what you mentioned with your with your English. Like you wanted the swimming part bad, but how bad enough to be able to learn a third language? Because you already know two languages. You're you're already fluent in two. You have to add a third language on top of that and pursue an education. Yeah. Were you even interested in, in the education part? Uh, at first, I want to say that I was, uh, but you know, after like five years of being here, yeah. I realized that I wasn't really, um, 
uh, that concern about my education. Right. Um, that I think that part of me started like two years, three years ago. So it was kind of late. Um, but it, I wanted I wanted to be a better swimmer so bad that I decided to take the step. And knowing the uh, past of like a Spanish swimming history, uh, I knew there's been like great swimmers in Spain that also took this trip, this like whole jump from Spain to the uh, United States, and they did well. They the one of the names is like Marina Garcia. She was also a cow swimming for the um, for the cow men's team or cow women's team. Yeah. Um, another guy is Eduardo Saraeche. He went to a Freud University. He did well and has a great future in terms of professionally and not in terms of like athletics. And you know, I saw these guys success, and I was like, I'm, I want to be part of them. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And like you said, you go to Auburn, and first off, it was only one year. But you get a taste of the difference culturally. So not even swimming-wise, but just showing up to Auburn. How was it being there on that campus with school and, and everything like that? How was that experience like for you? Uh, well, I was really I was really lucky at okay. Auburn. Uh, I got really good friends, really good class of freshmen that took, took pretty much care of him. I took care of me, like, of everything. Like, I... Realized that I couldn't take care of myself out of the swimming pool. <laughs> like, once you get in the swimming pool, it's easy. You know, like, we have, like, a, a few routines. Like, you know, like, going to the hotel, getting back, packing everything, and, you know, getting to the warm-up, racing, and warm down. And I feel like I had that locked in. But, you know, what I didn't realize is, like, life is so much more than just a swimming pool. And it's so much more than just academics. I'm, I remember, like, I was just struggling to, like, get there and figure out <laughs> what kind of bed I wanted or like if I needed pillows or just a desk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like simple stuff, you know, like everybody knows how to do that. But uh, it was great. It was great to be there and have this group of guys. The first name that comes to my mind is Spencer Rowe. Uh, he was probably my best friend there. And um, I learned how to be independent in that sense. Um, I think he graduated already uh, this year. Um but no, he still he still came to NC after after this year. Even if I'm swimming for Cal, he still will show up. And I believe the first thing or the first contact that he had at the NCAA pool was me. It wasn't even over. So you know, like you build these relationships that last forever. It's not just part of the college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's awesome that that you had that support, right? Because it is a huge cultural shift in yeah. terms of the swimming. Um, something I had talked about with Marcos is that he was very shocked at first with the difference in schedule and waking up early and things like that. You mentioned that you already did that, but was it even a bigger shift or, or not really? Were you used to it in the pool? Uh, for me, the routine wasn't hard. Okay. Um, it was actually, I shouldn't say this, but it was actually easy. You okay. know, like I was used to spending way more time in the pool. And now our practice shifted in the terms that we have more intense practices that last, that they were so much shorter. Yep. So the thing is that you had to be ready every single time compared to like when I was training in Spain. I like could have some days that you were just like bouncing from wall to wall, but not really like swimming fast. And that's what makes a difference here at Cal. Um, what was hard for me wasn't the schedule. What was hard for me was like paying attention to academics. Okay. Um, that's why like when I transferred from Auburn, I thought, I thought I wanted to be a computer science major, uh, and I got here, and um, 
I still want it, you know, but like it's the same thing. Like people want want to win, people want to win the lottery. Yeah. But you know, you have to work for that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the lottery, but like, you know, people want to be millionaires. Oh, I work for that. Yeah. And I wasn't working for academics until probably like two years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and especially like you said, <coughs> that shift from Auburn to to here is. I mean, I'm not sure how similar it is because I've never been to Auburn. I've only studied studied here, right? But. I'm sure there is some sort of shift just because of the academic rigor at Cal and, and things like that. Um, but obviously, just that first season, even as a freshman in the NCAA, you have a great season. Like, it, it's not something that should go unnoticed at all. You were the SEC male uh, freshman of the year, which is crazy. You were first in the program to do that, like in program history, um, which is awesome. You were all SEC first team the 400 IM champion in, in the SEC. You set three school records as a freshman um, in the 200 back, 200 IM, 400 IM. Like, your strengths, right? It's yeah. what you you continue to do to this day, um, which is awesome. But like you said, at the end, completely new new staff. And that's kind of what you relied on to even get here. So take me through that. How did you find out when the staff was going to be replaced and, and that shift? What was your reaction? What were you feeling? Um, it was, I wouldn't say it was unexpected. Um, there were a lot of rumors within the team, um, knowing that we didn't perform as the head coach or as the athletic department wanted us to perform at NCAs. Um, and there was, you know, there, there was this rumor about the swimmers saying like, you know, like, this might change a lot next year. We might do things differently, but the thing that caught me by surprise is that we didn't think that every single coach was going to be fired. <laughs> or not fired, you know, but like just pushed away from the program. Yeah. Uh, we thought it was going to happen with like one of them, maybe two of them, not five of them. And I, the difference between Cal and the Auburn swimming program is that we all train together. There is, no, there is not a women's team and a men's team. We all turn together. So, like, when they decided to push all the coaches, it's like actually all the coaches. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And um, the, uh, first, the first thought that came into my mind was like, okay, I might, I might just go back home. You know, I wasn't, as I told you, I wasn't really that into academics. And after knowing that, you know, the athletic program was going to change completely. And my only, the only guy that I had a lot of trust in was going to be gone. I uh, was probably going to be somewhere in another college, another state, or maybe even another country. It just made me want to, like, go back home. Wow. And I actually told my parents that. And I was like, okay, well, it's going to be your choice. But, you know, give it on a second thought. Because I was already there. I had a scholarship. I could probably keep swimming for, like, a few more years and just get a, get a degree and just figure out life after that. But. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it must have been a huge change that that guy you trust you you come all the way across the the pond per se and and damn. Yeah, that must be crazy. Did did you before we we continue? Did you enjoy training with the women's team? I, I can't imagine. I know other swim programs do that, but I, personally, I can't imagine like men's soccer and women's soccer training together. So yeah, uh, how was that experience like at Auburn? Uh, it was actually really good. I mean. I feel like in order to have that, you need to have both teams um, really into the same page. Like, you you cannot have fights in between the team. You cannot have, like, dumb shit happening, 
right, you need everybody to be on the same page and understanding what we are trying to accomplish and what they are trying to accomplish. Because uh, a lot of meets, we do them together. It's like, for example, like a lot of dual meets. Yeah. But when it comes to the, uh, not the conference meet, but the NCA championships, I think we are a week apart. And that's where the taper starts changing. That's where the hard training starts like not being the same dates. And that's when like, we need to like really be synchronized with everybody. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was fine. I, we, knew, we knew how to do that. And I think everybody got along with each other. Yeah, why, why do you think you don't do that here at Cal? Um, mainly because we are too many. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the big difference. I feel like um, the main reasons could we have right now 38 people, 38 guys in the team. 38 on the men's team? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize there was um, that many. That, yeah. So the, big, the biggest problem is actually when we have to like just swim and not get maybe like five people in the same lane because you can actually not swim because you keep lapping yeah. your, your own teammates. So you cannot focus on your, on your team. And the second thing that I think we don't have that in Cal is because both of our head coaches have a really long history of success. And they, all, they both have a different mindset, different like program to run. And, you know, it's just a different, a different perspective of how to look into swimming. Yeah. So sometimes that's not just compatible. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, I know how good both coaches are. Um, yeah, they're, they're the greats, you know. Um, so it's, it's very hard to put those two together. But I have seen other, other um, programs that do train together. And that was just interesting from that perspective. Um, I saw that all this news breaks out at Auburn. Sergio Lopez was an associate head coach. He's gone. He's going to Virginia Tech. And you considered going to Virginia Tech, right? It was more than I considered. Oh. I, I was there for a few days. Oh, wait, for a few days? <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I was actually, I was officially enrolled in the, in the team and in the school. That's why it took me so long to be able to compete for Cal. Okay, you got, you got to tell me this yeah, story because I, uh... I, I didn't know you fully enrolled. I, I just saw the, the, the news was that yeah. you were speculating of going there. And then two weeks later, you showed up at Cal. But what, yeah. what was that? What was that? Honestly, if I if if I was if I could see my my life at that point from my dad's uh, my mom's perspective, I think I would have needed to be uh, hospitalized. Wow! Because yeah, I don't think I could handle it. Um, but so that yeah, I I I was in Spain, right? I moved to Auburn for one whole season. Came back after NC, after around May June. Um, I went to European Championship that summer. I uh, was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and then Sergio Lopez told me, yo, uh, Hugo, uh, I know it's been rough, but I'm going to be coaching. I'm going to be a head coach of Virginia Tech uh, swimming program. And I want you here. And, you know, like having that trust, like, the trust didn't change. Um, all the, the main reason why I left Auburn is because I, I didn't have that person that made me want to go there and made me trust the program. Um, so I say, okay, let's do it. Like, you're going to be there. Let's, let's keep building this, this, uh, this journey, right? This dream. And I was there. I was there for a few weeks. Or <laughs> not. I, I, I don't even think I can say a week. Wow. Probably like five days. You, but you were physically there? You weren't in Spain yeah. anymore. You were physically there? Yeah. Holy yeah I took the fly. I was, I was there. <laughs> Did you move in? To two different places in five days. So you moved into to Virginia Tech and everything. You had a dorm or, or apartment, uh, yeah, whatever it was. I think for 
first two to three days I was off campus and then the next two days I was on campus. <laughs> and, and then and then? And then um I feel like it was a mix of everything. I wasn't um mentally ready um to change that drastically. Like it's already a huge change, uh, change of like my uh, Spanish culture and my Spanish side of life to, to Auburn. And then I don't think I thought it enough about going to Virginia Tech. I think in my mind was just, all right, uh, Sergio Lopez goes to Auburn, I go with him. He moves the place, I go with him too. And, uh, and I got there and I realized like, making friends is so much harder when you're not a freshman. Um, that's, that's why I think there are so many uh, programs trying to help transfer students because you know all the all the relationships are already formed or, or they are still forming but you have that group of friends that freshmen that you're still figuring out where to go where the classes are with the dining hall and you know everything so I got there it was really hard to like form these kind of relationships knowing that you know the the my group the group that I trusted was back in Auburn or in Spain and I think I just wasn't mentally ready um so I remember, I actually remember calling my, calling my dad the phone, almost crying, saying, I, I don't think I'm ready for this. There's nothing wrong with Eugenia Tech. I just, it's just me. I need, I need some time off, and I need to be with you guys and decide what I want to do instead of just following one person. Because that's what I was doing. I was following Sergio. I wasn't really following my own, my own path. You do that, and you, you're following Sergio, not following your own path, which is amazing for you to reflect on that. But in five days or in less than two weeks, as I read, you were at Cal. So how yeah. how did you make, like, you're not ready for a transition, but immediately you transferred again. Why Cal? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so all this was the beginning of fall, fall 2018. 18, yeah. So fall yeah. 2018, are, you, are we talking like August? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. so this was late. Yes. Oh, shit. Where? Yeah, so uh, the main reason why this happened in five days is because before before going to Virginia Tech to follow Sergio, I actually had a call with Dave Dorton. And that was like when I when I um, withdraw from Auburn and I had no idea where to go. I was, I was still in Spain, right? It was like everything they got. I, just, I was just out of the U.S. system. So I talked to him, and one thing he told me before... Before the school started and everything, of the period, legal period of the NCAA rules, is that once a school starts, you cannot contact any other coaches. It doesn't matter if you're friends or not. It doesn't matter the purpose of the call. You just cannot talk. Um, so when I realized that, I was like, okay, then I don't want to. I don't want to give Virginia Tech a, a call. I just want to. I just want to care about home think about what I want to do. Is it Virginia Tech? I'll go there in the spring. <laughs> and if not, I just, I just stay here. Um, so I rushed that decision of going back to Spain. And I was still, I still had that thought back in my mind of like talking to Dave Jordan about joining the Cal program, but I didn't really reflect on that. It was just like a general thought. Right. And so I went back to Spain after, you know, almost crying, calling my dad about what I wanted to do. And, I think a few months later, I decided that I won a cow. And I, that, that was a long decision. And I can't, I, can't, I really can't thank enough uh, my ex, because I wasn't, I was just going to stay in Spain. 
And she told me that why wouldn't I take the opportunity of being in one of the best schools in the world? Because it's not just the United States. It's one of the best schools in the world. And learn from the, you know, the best athletes and the best um, students in the world and just pursue my dream. If it fails, well, I try it. And if not, I just get the, the best future possible. So uh, she convinced me after a long, really long talk. She convinced me to like come here, and um, and that's why I talked to my parents, and um, that's when I withdrew from Regina Tech, not knowing if Dave Dorian was still offering me that scholarship, right? Because it was an opportunity that maybe, maybe it was gone, maybe it was it was ready before the fall, and maybe it was gone because you know new new transfers, new freshmen were joining the team, and I think. I, w- I just had the lack of my life. I like him saying, okay, well, we will still have that offer and I'll still want in the team. So that's when he told me, okay, we can make this work, you can come here, and this is going to happen in January 2020. No, 20, 2019, sorry. Wow. So we can make this happen in the spring, even though all this happened, even though you say no the first time, even though you went to Virginia Tech, even though you say no the second time. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And then I go here. I I usually so I do my research. I take a lot of notes. So I'm usually like expecting what's gonna happen. I am blown away right now. Like I'm. <laughs> this is genuinely fun for me, and I'm like, yeah. I'm blown away. Like I I did not know all of these things went into. It. I thought it like because uh, the thing I I read said, oh, in two weeks it changed from Virginia Tech to Cal, and I'm like, all right, th- there must have been confusion. I didn't know it was this long. Obviously, I'm not going to find any articles about your ex-girlfriend t- telling you anything like yeah. that. So these little details are insane. Like, that, that's crazy. So let me put a timeline on this, right? Yeah. August 2018, you're at Virginia Tech. You're there for three days off campus, two days on campus, and then you fly back to Spain? Yes. You go back to Spain and you're there how long? Um, I'm there until January. And in that entire time, you were not at, in the U.S. for college. You were back home in Madrid. Yeah. And but but the, the thing is that I was, I was in Virginia Tech the day the school started. So that semester counted as a whole semester towards my NCAA eligibility. Yeah. So that the clock is still, is still running. Okay, so you did start school and then you dropped out of school. Yeah. After one day. Yeah. <laughs> so you dropped out of a college one day into the semester. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I told you, I officially was I was in school, but you know I didn't go to class. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay. Wow. 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 And and I mean right now it could be funny looking back at it, but in the moment that must have been know, so in, stressful. In the moment it wasn't fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. I mean I'm glad we're talking about this now as a two-time Olympian and NCAA champion. <laughs> yeah. Like not, now now it's fun. Now yeah, it's beautiful, that, right? That, we can talk about it all day. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. I, I'm going to take a, a quick break in here and I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. This is the most fun I've ever had <laughs> on the podcast. So great. Awesome. Um, t- tell me like, what was going through your mind those months? You mentioned your ex. I've never heard someone say thank you to your ex. And I'm not trying to get into your yeah. personal relationship. I hate doing that. But having someone believe in you in that way, especially in like that sort of long distance relationship or whatever is is crazy. Like, do you think you could have done it without that extra little push? No. Wow. No. Um, that's why... 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know what people people deal with a lot of a lot of stuff, right? I I cannot I cannot even compare my life to anybody else. There is always gonna be somebody that's struggling more than you, um, and there is always gonna be somebody that's doing better than you. But in that moment, um, you know, I have I have my siblings. I have two siblings, not just one. I have my brother, my sister. Have plenty of uh, relatives and, and friends that support me, and I'm not saying that I didn't need them, but at that moment, like the uh, the only person that made me believe in myself and that pushed me to like actually believe in myself, because it's not it's not just somebody telling you like you know you can do this. It's not. It's actually it's actually somebody that convinced me. To know that I I can do this I can I can go cow I can I can get a degree, and figure out my life four years after it, all of this is happening, and yeah that's that's part of the reason I I really cannot thank enough. Uh, well, my ex is, is her name is Marta Cano. She goes to Rice. She actually just graduated right now, and she's doing great. Uh, wow. And I'm so happy for her. But she was the person that basically. Like I wouldn't be here, and it's not just a um, a way of saying I, I literally wouldn't be here if she if I wasn't with her back then. Wow, so. wow, that is so yeah. powerful. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I'm glad you got here, and I'm glad it's working out because like you describing this, like I'm trying to still picture myself in your shoes, and I, I can't, bro. Like you you went to three different <laughs> schools in the span of a year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of year. Wow. And it, it gets crazy. Like, you, I'm, I'm going to leave you to the uh, next questions because I'm sure you have them. It gets crazy. It gets crazier. Well, let's dive deep into it. So you get to Cal when? January? January 2019. Okay. First time I meet the team. It's not actually Cal. It's at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. Yeah. So I meet them at OTC. I stay there for like two weeks, two weeks and a half, and then we head back to Berkeley. And did you know you were gonna redshirt? Uh, no. Oh no. shit! No, I I I totally thought that. <laughs> okay, season two. I've been through Auburn, I've been through Virginia Tech. Let's make it count, right? Because I I really wanted to like finally have a um a decent a schedule, a a a different um, you know, a finally a a calendar that I could follow, I could know what I'm competing, I could know what I'm training, I could know when I have days off, and I can just, you know, have another stressful life. So I got there thinking, okay, we'll start school in a week, okay, time to like, you know, pack everything. At that time, I knew already how to get a bed, a pillow, and what was best for that. <laughs> so it was, it was time to like start the new journey at Cal. Time out, time out, details, details. So you where did did you fly straight to Colorado and then you flew to Berkeley? Uh, straight to Colorado. So you yeah. had all your luggage in Colorado. <laughs> yes. Holy shit, dude. Okay, <laughs> and you're in Colorado, and Colorado's not an easy place to train at. The the Olympic Training yeah. Center's altitude is insane. Yeah. New team, you don't know anyone. Obviously, it's a great bonding experience, but it's hard to make friends as a sophomore, right? Not not as a freshman or as a transfer. This is a team that's very united. Mm. They're a great team. We'll talk about what happens with that team in yeah. the next few months, right? But, and you show up to the training center halfway through their season. What was that like with the guys? 
with all your luggage just being lost? Were you lost? Were they helpful at, like, in Auburn? Or, or were these guys, you're, you're now teammates, right? Yeah. You're brothers, but were they assholes at first or no? No, they were they were amazing. Okay, that's good. Um, I think my first roommates were Bryce Merford and Andrew Saleskar. Okay. You know, they're not, they're good people. Yeah. Apart for, like, fast, fast swimmers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know... I don't know the second guy. I don't know Bryce either, but I've seen him in, in Marcos's videos and Kyle's videos, yeah. so he seems really nice. But yeah, yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a great friend, um, and I'm really lucky that I was, I was roommates with them too. Okay. Uh, but if I, if I had to describe everything I went through at OTC before even joined, like being at Berkeley, in one word, it would just be wow. It would just be wow. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, you know, it, it wasn't just joining the team. I was also, I was so out of shape at that moment, and I, you know, that's normally not a big deal because we are athletes. Like we normally like in shape at certain times, and you know, over the summer we're normally out of shape, right? Right before starting the season. The uh, the problem with that and with me is that I was I was joining Cal, I was coming to Cal as I as a potential. NCA winner, right? Because I, I I joined I joined Auburn, and I, I by the time I finished my Auburn year, I already had the third fastest performance in the four AM. So when I joined when I joined Cal, when I had the the call with Dave, he asked me what my goals were, and you know apart from like you know making this thing better, helping everybody out, and learning from the best, I remember one of the goals that I told him was maybe breaking an NCA record. No way. No way. <laughs> breaking an NCAA record and making an international podium in a high-level meet, like a, a Europeans or World or even Olympics, is one of my goals. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, I get to the point where, like, I'm coming from, from Christmas. I'm not training. I have, like, a week off. I get to OTC, one of the hardest places to train. Um, and I'm just swimming so slow. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just I think the first practice, I did like a five-minute swim, and I get out. I was like, I'm done today. <laughs> There's, you got out of the pool. Yeah, you got out of Dave Jordan's pool. Yeah. What did he say? He no, he he understood everything. He was he knew I wasn't training. Okay, but okay, you know okay. the uh, that's not that's not what you want to show to the new team that just arrived. That's, you don't want to show them that yeah, I, I'm still <laughs> I'm still looking for those goals, but I'm just gonna be swimming five minutes a day. You don't want to do that. Wow. And, and, you know, all that, I mean, it got better, obviously. Yeah. Like, I'm a senior year now. They like they know how hard I work. I know how hard they work, and we understand each other. Um, but, you know, just the, the embarrassment of, like, showing to the possibly one of the best teams, not just in the United States, but in the world, and, like, not being even able to make a 30-minute swim is just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a word to describe it. <laughs> so, um, so you show up there that altitude is difficult, how different was the training to what you saw in Auburn? Obviously, you took, like, a semester off. There's Christmas. There's some fun parties, right? I can relate to that in the sense of, like, the Mexican culture and the Spanish culture. It's, it's pretty similar, so obviously yeah. it's a, a good time. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And but, but with the training that you did know at Auburn or what you were doing in Madrid, hmm. just the OTC alone is already a difficult place to train. But how difficult was it training for what you mentioned to be a great coach like Dave Jordan? Uh, well, I don't think I can speak from what I saw in terms of practice because I, I wasn't even completing the practices. Okay. With them. But, not, you know, like it wasn't because I couldn't do it. 
it was just because I, I was out of shape, so I, got, I didn't really know what was the level of training at Berkeley at that time. Uh, but I remember one day, um, you know, we normally, like swimmers, we normally swim really fast and in permits. And the rest of our season is like super slow compared to how fast we can swim in our best moment. So during the training cup, there's one time, that, one day that they tell the guys to put the texture on, which is the ones that we race on. Yeah. And just like, just, we had this thing called get out swim, which means that if you, well, the day or the coach tells you what to do in a random event, it can be like a 50 on the water, which is not even an event, just like complete the uh, distance, just with no breath. And um, we had a get out swim day, which was like around probably like eight people, uh, every every single guy having a different kind of event, putting texture on and hitting it in a specific time. Right, and that was like a middle training camp. I knew they were all tired. I was tired too. Like, actually, I'm not gonna lie. Um, and you know, just hearing the times that they have to go, like some of them were just, just like probably got a second away from my best time. I was like, okay, even if I'm in the best moment at that time, but let's say that let's talk about hundred bar for example. Um, that moment, I think I was at fifty fifty four point one, my best in the long course. If even if I'm in the best shape. As possible, as far as like at, until that day, if I'm told to go for a hundred back in the same day, and I just screw something, I, I just take like a less kick or like I screw the um, the turn or the start or something happens, I'm gonna add a second to my best time. So if Dave is telling these guys to go 55, which is only a second away from my best time, that means that these guys are really assuming really really fast in practice. I cannot. I'm not gonna be able to keep up with these guys. Like not even just now, but throughout the whole four years, unless I get to the times where I can I can actually have my goals wow. and achieve my goals. So it wasn't the training that was hard. It was the expectations of wondering, am I gonna fit into this team? Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know that that's special, and it's something very similar. Bjorn came here in the fall, and he talked about the same thing. Like when he showed up, he he was telling me how uh, he called his mom right after, and he's like, "Mom, I'm going home," because he was the slowest guy there. Yeah. Obviously, now he's like one of the fastest guys on the team in the nation. Um, but it, it's crazy that he he said the exact same thing, and that you were there. And the reason I bring that up is. Because the level you're both at now is ridiculous. And that comes from just who you surround yourself with in a way. But but it's it's important to realize that how uncomfortable it is at first. Yeah. It's not fun being last at first or, or struggling that much at first, right? But you persisted and you stayed in there and you kept going because you believed in your dream or you wanted to chase it. And look where you are now, right? So it's it's that moment of being uncomfortable of then reaching your journey. I have a phrase here that I say almost every single podcast, uh, study the greats to one day become one. But there's an add-on to that, and it's surround yourself with the grace and, you, and you'll become one of the greatest. That's such a great sh- saying. Yeah. And it's, it's probably one of the best sayings I've ever had. Because uh, that's, that's like, I don't think, you know, I believe myself after all, the whole talk with, my, with Marta, but the thing that really make me believe in myself it wasn't it wasn't that i that i knew what i was doing it was that okay i'm gonna be with these guys because they know what they're doing so i'm gonna be with them as much time as i can i'm gonna keep try to keep up with every single every single event every single lap every single training that they do 
so I can be like them. You know, once I'm like them, I'll have confidence. I, I'll be confident enough to like achieve my goals. Yeah. So I, I wasn't really saying like, okay, I know I can do this. I was probably saying like, I know I can be part of them. Wow. So like, you know, sometimes like people ask you, who are your idols? And like, you know, they came out with great names. I don't have those great names. My great names are, are my, my, my teammates. Wow. Okay. So, this, yeah. so, so the reason I came up with the phrase of study the great so one day become one, which I've seen other people have said it. I didn't know other people had said it before, so I'm not going to claim I invented it. But the point is that the reason I started saying this phrase so much is because of the reason I started this podcast. And that is because I think that there are the greats in the world. When, when someone tells you study the greats, immediately you're going to start thinking Sergio Lopez, Michael Phelps. Caleb Dressel, right? But I think that the beauty is in realizing that the greats are around us. If you notice in my podcast, every single episode is uh, this week I'm celebrating the great and then the name. This week I'm celebrating the great Hugo Gonzalez, right? Because I believe that the greats are here around us and it's in any sport, right? But just being at Cal, you have to have something incredible. And I think that that's the key. It's realizing that, yes, there's amazing names that you can Google millions of followers on social media out of this world but i think that the important thing is realizing the greatness of those around us and how much we can learn from them so you saying that is yeah. just so powerful and it's like who you choose to hang out with right i i don't personally believe that you're the average of the five people you hang out with but when it comes to training when it comes to whatever your craft is whether it's swimming whether it's uh computer science whether it's spanish and portuguese whether it's vlogging whether it's podcasting whatever right if you surround yourself with them and you suck at first, you're going to be forced to elevate your game to be able to hang out with them. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that was the case, right? Yeah. So take me through that transition. OTC is tough. You come back to Berkeley. The moving in process, where did you live? Who did you live with? Uh, when did you realize? You know what? First, first, yeah. first those and then, and then we'll continue the story. Um, so yeah, we, um, we finished OTC, right? We head back to Berkeley. Um, I think my first roommates were Ryan Hoffer and Ethan Young. Um, you know, they're all great friends, great teammates too. Talk about the greats though. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Hoffer is not, it's not just a, just as a regular swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they were, they were my friends and the down, the down, um, Kind of like the basement of the house, because we have we lived in a house. It was like a three bedroom, and the uh, downstairs and there were like around six bedrooms upstairs. Uh, the upstairs class was the uh, fifth year class now. Plus, you know, a few guys that are not on the team anymore, like Jared. But it was like DC, Trench and Julian, uh, Sean Grisha, Nate, Beyond the um, Daniel Carr, and probably missing some people. But you know, there was like. That was probably the main group that I was hanging out with at home. Um, other than that, um, I I think the first thing I copied from them was like they I saw them all running uh, e-bikes or just scooters to train, and that was like when I got one. <laughs> but um, it was fun. It was really fun to have them. Um, I don't think they they know how much they helped me um, to get um, used to the, the new environment, how Berkeley works. And, um, you know, I'm just so glad that they did, some of them decided to take a fifth year because it was, it was great uh, to have them in the team this year. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they really deserve 
uh, will be accomplished this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know a few of those names for sure, and someday I'd love to get them on the podcast. Unfortunately, I I couldn't. But guys like Trenton, guys like Daniel that you mentioned, like it's again. I don't really know your team that much, but I was at every meet because I'm a big fan of your team and what you guys are about, and just like you can just see it from outside right like the the leadership that they carry and and who they're about and their characters just very admirable from an outside point of view again i don't know them yeah but just seeing that from outside is is special for sure so so that's good you move in it works out yeah what happens with school because there's a shift there and Mm -hmm. you talked about taking academics a bit more seriously but computer science leaves and then you go into season when do you find out you're not going to be competing Man, this is a hell of a journey. Oh my God! Um, so you know how we we keep having dual meets throughout the season. They start in the fall. We have a few of them in the spring. Then our most important competition is the Pac-12 conference and the NC2As. And so I keep training with everybody. Everything feels normal. You know, just like okay, I move in with the guys. I'm training with the guys. I'm going to class. Then. The first meet, I don't remember which day it was, but, you know, we have a first dual meet. For me, first dual meet. Um, we get this, normally, like, we get the two days before the meet, like, kind of, like, easy. So we are not as tired and we can swim a little bit better than we would normally do if we had any any rest. Um, the day, I think the day before, uh, I think the guys had the morning off just so they can sleep in, get some extra rest. And they come to me and say, like, okay, Hugo, you're not having the morning off. You're training with the pros. I'm like, okay. I'm not, not even going to ask questions. Cause, you know, like, I just got there. There's no reason to ask questions. Whatever they say, I'll do it. I finish the practice. And then they come and talk to me and says, uh, well, the reason, because, the reason why you train with the pros today is because you're not racing tomorrow. You're still trying to figure out what's going on. But the NCA roles are saying that you cannot compete just yet so we're gonna keep working on this we have time it's like okay um we you know weeks weeks passed uh we get to the same to the next uh dual meet kind of the same thing happens i'm still training next normal no extra rest no sleeping no anything um okay no problem we still have time right um next our last dual meet, you know, when we celebrate our seniors for everything they've done for the program, we thank uh, the parents for coming to uh, our home pool just to cheer for us and all the fans. Same thing happens. Um, and then that's where I'm starting thinking, like, okay, um, that means, like, if I'm not competing at this dual meet, I only have two meets left. This is conference and NC2As. For conference, is fine. We can take as, as many people as we want. For NC2As, we have to qualify. It's not just you can show up and race. You need to you need to show that you're fast. Yeah. The issue with this is that you know what happens if I if something happens on a pack twelve. What happens if I get disqualified in one event? What happens if I get sick in the middle of the conference? What happens like you know like every, so many things can happen, right? So um, it's fine. We keep working. We keep. Um, it's not a big deal because the only thing that we're changing at that point is the two days before every single dual meet. But conference is different. Conference, we usually take a week or more of rest. Uh, we start having like 
shorter practices they're not as intense our body's ready to race and uh you know i keep doing everything so i'm thinking okay then may we solve this i'm training with the guys the pros are doing everything as normal we are training less on them because we're racing and then the day before we get we get our suits, we get our gear, we get our new shoes, we get our new new everything. And we have we are sent the itinerary for the next um, couple of days to race at back jobs. Um, so I'm okay, Dave. I, I go asking Dave. So am I good to compete? And he goes, well, not just yet, but you know we can, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be prepared in case you are. So I'm like, okay, that, that's weird. First of all, like if, if I'm if I'm ready to race, then why would I be thinking about this? But that's okay. Um, I head home. I pack everything. I tell my professors that I'm gonna be gone, so I can I can or they can send me the assignments uh, in advance, or they can give me an extension for like a tournament later. And we head to the Haas Pavilion to get breakfast as a team, and then you know travel to the airport, take a flight, head there. And you know, I have breakfast and everything. Then at some point, Dave calls me uh, while I'm with the guys and tell me that I am, well, you know, in private, like apart from the guys, and like I'm not gonna be traveling. I'm just gonna bring my bring my suitcase, bring it home, and just keep you know training for my summer goals. And that um, that's huge, you know, because. It's, it, that doesn't mean you're not competing next week. That means you're not competing next week. You're not going to NC2A's. You're, um, you're done for this season in college. Yeah. Like, if you want to keep training, that's up to you. But this season is over. Wow. And, uh, and you know, we have a really powerful team that year. And uh, I don't think I was aware of it until I saw it. But... We have a team at that moment that we thought could fight for the title. And, you know, like, it's not just that I could be watching these guys. It's that I could be racing with these guys for the title. Or even, like, racing for my own division titles, right? And um, that, I think, I think that was the perfect recipe for, like, for me to, like, just give up on swimming, at least for that year. And that's what kind of what happens. Um, you gave up? Yeah. Like after that, I was told like, yeah, you're. I'm, I'm not racing. Up. You know, college season is not gonna happen this year. If it happens, it's gonna be in 2020. Um, so you know, I I was like, okay, I sent all the uh, hack everybody saying like, you know, good luck, you guys got it. It doesn't matter if I'm going or not. You guys are gonna keep fighting for the title, and you know, just bring it home. Because um, I'm I'm still training with you guys, and uh, you know, like if you guys can do this, you guys don't need me. And that that like I'm just gonna give extra points to the team, but I'm not an essential key, and that's what they did. And I'm so glad that they, you know, they raced the way they raced. I think Celiscar won all his three individual events and participated in so many relays that I, I was so proud of them. That you know, it was just great to see them from from Berkeley. That's that's crazy, and and I can see in your eyes how tough it is. You know, like that part of your story, um, but. Wow, I, I didn't know it was like that. I feel like you would have known since before that you were going to redshirt. Yeah, and we, we kept like, kind of pushing it back, saying like, yeah, we got this, we'll figure it out, we'll talk to compliance, we will get this paperwork done. And, you know, we delayed that until the very last day of like 11 o'clock Wow. 
Okay, so take me through what that does to your confidence. Do you continue training? I have here in my notes, obviously, 2016, Rio. Yeah. You qualified. Huge. 2016, European Junior Championships. 2017, Junior Worlds. 2017, Worlds. 2018, FINA. 2018, FINA World Cup. Short course, course champions, etc. Nothing in 2019. I don't know yeah. if there was no events or if you decided to take time off. 20... 2019 was that same year. So that's what I'm asking yeah. what it does to your confidence. 2019, um, I th- I'm not even sure if I went to Worlds. I think there was Worlds that year. I don't even know if I went or not. I think I went, but, you know, still, like, I was in... If I went, it was vacation, honestly. Wow. I, I wasn't... Oh, at least in my mindset, you know, like I was telling my teammates, I was telling my coach back home, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to race. Doesn't matter if I didn't make the college season, but I wasn't. I was just going because I had to go, you know, because they selected the team. I was part of the national team, and they told me to go, but I don't think I was ready to to race. And that showed. I think, I think I swam slower than when I was 16 years old. And by that time, I was, like, 19. Yeah. You know, it's, it's huge coming from, like, three years in swimming, especially when I'm just, like, I'm just like, junior in high school, coming from, like, a freshman or sophomore in college. It's, it's huge. So that, that was just a really, really tough time in terms of, like, I, there, was, there were times that I was training with the guys after NC2As. It's still a cow before heading back home. And um, there were so many days that I was swimming the pool and just, like, hating it. Just saying, like, I don't want to do this. And it's not because I'm swimming slow. It's just because I don't want to be here. And I told my coaches, and, like, you know, they, they try to help me. But I really think that I gave up on swimming that year. And the only thing that I wanted to do was just, like, get back home, you know, enjoy vacation, be with my family and everything, and just restart and have a restarted a cow for my next year how did you deal with that because like from from the things you're you're saying right now i feel like in one way or another every athlete or student athlete can relate to it for whatever reason that may be but i think it's very obvious nowadays how much mental health is an issue right for d1 athletes um and i think everyone has experienced it i've experienced it i've had days here where i absolutely hated it and like honestly the majority of my time here i've hated practice straight up like i've struggled with it so much like freshman year i didn't get up any day and i got up early first one there i'd stay there working i hated every second of it like and i love soccer like you don't understand how much (laughs) i love this game i hated every second of training i did not feel comfortable with my team Freshman year was a nightmare for me, and same thing. Like I, I'm personally very open about this. I did work with psychologists. I did get get into all the advice I could get and try to put it to work. I wanted to go back home so bad. It's very hard to say this, but thankfully for me, my freshman year was when COVID hit. So I just went back home and and like stayed yeah. with my family and and all this thing. It worked for me, but for you, again, you go. Th- through that downfall that's the year that you guys win a national championship yeah 
that must be very tough because it's like, damn, I could have been there. Damn, I'm training with them. Like, I, I could be there. So how do you bounce back from this? Was was it with your family that summer? Did you work with any any psychologists or professionals? Or, or what, what did you do to get back? Um, if I'm honest with you, I think I should have worked with a psychologist or a professional to help me understand what is going on and why... I wasn't motivated to swim and how I could change that. Because it's not when, you know, when a lot of people say, I don't want to do this, I don't want to show up to practice, that doesn't mean they don't, they, they don't like doing their sport. They they're mean that they don't want to be there at that moment. And that's what I felt every single day when I was training, you know, with the guys after the NCAA title while I couldn't do anything. It was that I didn't... Every time I say I didn't want to swim, what I actually meant is I, I don't want to swim now. You know, and if that repeats tomorrow, same thing. But that doesn't mean I don't like swimming. Like, if I'm here, it's because I, I had to like something, right? So, after that, I feel like it was actually good that I performed really, really bad at world championships. Because that, that kind of took a lot of pressure out of, you know, out of my out of the way I look at swimming, um, coming from one of the fastest uh, swimmers in the 4IM from Auburn, going to Cal, which is like a really good program in swimming, almost meant that I was going to be even faster. Like, it, it looked like, you know, getting an NCAA title wasn't going to be a goal. It was going to be part of what was waiting for me. And, you know, like, having that bad of a season just made me realize, okay, I don't have to do this, right? Like, I don't have to meet any expectations that people are putting to myself. I put some expectations on my career. And if I want to complete, and wanna, if I want to get them, that's fine. If I, if I don't want to, that's fine too. So I think that when I went back to home, I realized that if I am, if I was at the Cal team, or if I was going to be a Cal team for the next few years, it's because I wanted to be there. It's not because somebody told me, okay, you have to go here because you are a fast swimmer and they are a fast program. And you might, you guys match. No, that's not, that's not reason. So I feel like it was good to like, you know, just not swim fast to realize like, okay, swimming fast is not part of what I'm supposed to do. It's something I want to do. And, you know, just being with family and realizing that helped me a lot. And that kind of like set the tone for the next years. Yeah. And I think that's the key. That's the key distinction, right? It's having that mentality shift of I don't have to, I get to. I don't have to swim at the best program in the nation. I get to. And if I don't want to, that's okay. But if I do, I get to, and that's a privilege. I don't have to go through finals week at the number one public university in the world. I get to. It's a privilege. And if I don't want to, that's okay. And once you understand that, once you understand that life is a game, then get up and play, or life is a party, get up and dance, like, it relieves so much. And that's something I've barely realized uh, up until right now. And it's so recent that I haven't even been able to put it to practice. But hearing you say that and seeing your success afterwards is only inspiring for someone that struggled the same way I, I have, you know. So that's awesome. You get into that shift. You understand it now. Mm-hmm. You come back fall 2019. What happens? What changes? Um, I feel like everything. You know, um, I... I stopped comparing myself into the other swimmers. You know, they were all 
they're all fat swimmers, you know, but something something different about me is that I normally don't I normally don't train as fast as I can race compared to the other guys. Yeah. Uh, normally, like, you're going to find so many people that can swim faster than me in practice, but the, the story changed once we get to, like, to the actual competition. You're able to flip that switch yeah. in your own mentality and how you attack. Yeah. And that's like, you know, that's great once we get to, to the actual important meet, once we get to NCAs, once we get to the Olympic Games, once we get to the World Championships. But that's not easy to deal with once you're like every single guy getting beaten, uh, you know, being beaten by your teammates. It's like it gets to the point where like, you started wondering like, why is this not working? And you had to convince yourself, yeah, it is working. They have a way of training. You have your own way of training. It doesn't matter. It's just trust the process, you know, like the process of like showing up to practice and doing the best you can do, not in terms of effort, in terms of everything, in terms of technique, in terms of uh, attitude, in terms of um, the way you perform every single movement, is what's going to make you better. Because at the end of the day, you don't care about what people are doing. You care about how much you've improved to yourself. And, you know, going into the 2020 season, um, I had a great start. Like, I was swimming... Just by having the opportunity to race at Duomis, which is great. <laughs> then we got to uh, conference meet. I think, I think I broke in conference record in the 4 a.m. Um, so you know, I was getting that confidence back, saying, "Okay, I can do this. Um, this is looking good." We have NC2As really soon, um, so just, just it's just time to like enjoy the grind that we've been putting. Not just me, but you know, new teammates because we have the freshmen, the seniors are living, um, and yeah, and then COVID hits. Oh, that's the part of every single episode that I yeah. hate because it's we were doing so well, things were going great, and then COVID hits, <laughs> and it's like, damn! Like the episode I released this week uh, with Nevea D'Souza, she's a junior on the women's gymnastics team. She was Pac-12 freshman of the year. She had a great season. She had hit every single event for 10 straight meets, getting ready for uh, a duel, like two meets in, in one weekend, then Pac-12 championships. They're getting ready, and then COVID hits. And it's like, damn, like, not again. Oh, man. And, and it's crazy because what, what you said, it wasn't actually the, the 200 IM. Your record was in the 4 IM. You set a Pac-12 championship meet record, 400 IM, and that was the nation's fastest time that year. You you were ready for that NC2A, not debut, but comeback. Yeah. And then COVID hits. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so crazy. That it feels like everything, like, it's not, it, it doesn't affect just the swimming community. It, it affects every single sport, um, especially the spring sports, because we are just about to, like, get started, and, and then, yeah, and then everything disappears. It's like, yeah, everything is gone. You're not an athlete anymore. Just like down. <laughs> Wow. Stay in your room and just get there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but before that, I, I liked what you said of your own lane. You know, the, the reason I'm so obsessed with swimming, and, and I'll say it openly, right? I love watching you guys. I love watching the men's swimming team, the women's swimming team, because I feel like your mentality is different, right? You're, you're two of the best programs that we have here at Cal. But it's, it's not only that. I think it's the sport. It's the same reason why I like to even watch track especially long distance which is like oh that's pretty boring but for me at least participating in it in some way is a game changer you know like I would question 
many things. Earlier this season, I was watching you guys, and I see your coaches go, go. And I'm like, well, of course they know to go. Why are they yelling? A few weeks later, I ran the Berkeley Half Marathon, and people there on the side just ringing the bell, go, go, go. I was like, damn, it makes a huge difference to have people there. Or you guys, like what you mentioned of paying attention only to yourself. The reason I like swimming so much is because to me, it's a metaphor. In soccer, we don't have that individualistic aspect, Mm -hmm. but what you guys have, it's a literal lane. So in my head, it's just stay in your own lane, just focus on your own lane. And when I was running that half marathon, there were people next to me running and they were faster or they were slower, but I'm like, I'm just looking at this time right here. That's it. I'm not focused on them. I'm not focused on them. I'm focused on this time right here. And that to me is, is amazing. One of my favorite pictures is, I don't know who the competitor is, but it's that one Michael Phelps picture that says, um, winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. And it's like, just, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's literally why I enjoy watching the sport so much because to me, it's a metaphor of what it should be like in life. Because in soccer, we, we don't get that. In soccer, it's a team sport, it's collectively, but in, it's taught me like, you know, you, you can focus on your performance as well. You shouldn't be focused on if you're starting, if you're on the bench, if you get minutes, if you don't get minutes, focus on yourself. Oh, this guy played this way. Hey, stay in your own lane, you know? And, and that's why I, I like it so much. And from what you were saying, I, I think it's special that you realize that your confidence is better. How did you feel with the team before COVID? Your fastest time in the nation, how are you feeling now? You're clearly fit now with the team. Um, and like what you were mentioning, I'm not sure if this is it, your taper process, but you're saying that in practice, you're not as fast as other guys, but when it comes to competing, you turn turn the jets on. So how was that with the team? When did they start understanding that? Did the coaches understand that? Did you feel comfortable with them? How was that like? Um, well, I feel like the coaches always had a an unbelievable trust um, on the way I did things. And I was really surprising because I, 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 there were moments where I was, where I would actually, you know, finish the practice and tell the coaches, I think I'm not ready. I think I'm not going to be able to perform as well as you and I want this to happen. And, um, and the, the, um, the senses of the uh, thing that they would keep telling me is just, have confidence it's okay you don't you don't need to like you don't need to win in situation right now it's not gonna happen today because we're training we are here at berkeley uh just you know that's what they didn't say that that's what i would think every time they say these words like just believe um believe in your teammates believe in yourself we're doing well and um you know after i had i still had no idea about rankings you know i was just racing because that was what i would do i just had to be like mm, head to the main competition and had the goal of making finals and after making finals race for like for the win but that's it i had no idea what other schools were doing what other swimmers were doing outside of um the pac 12 conference and um you know funny things that the commentator actually speaks and we can actually hear what they say um after we race because we have an interview or something um so i finished the race and you know i had this little interview saying like congrats um Congrats on winning the race. Congrats on breaking the uh, patch of conference meet record. And congrats on posting the fastest time in the nation. <laughs> like, okay. So I didn't react at the moment, right? Because I'm just tired. It's easy like, to like, um, let, it, let it happen. But then I head to the bench, 
get to warm down, get to the hotel. And it was so hard, so hard to fall asleep that night. Because I'm just thinking, like, damn, like, does this really mean that I'm, I might actually win, you know, in the span of three weeks, the NCAA title? Um, so that, I feel like it was so hard for me to, like, control my emotions after that. You know, like, swimming was fine, as I thought, as, you know, the results were there. The hardest part was, okay... It's time to sleep because it's not even the last day. Like 4 a.m. is the middle day. I still have one more event the last day, which is like two breaths or two back. And I just, I think I remember like, I slept like three hours. And that was the max I could get in between the caffeine that I took to raise and the emotions after that. It was just so hard. Um, but as you said, the conference was building up. Um, we just won the, the, the year before. I wasn't even there. So all the exciting about, you know, being able to swim fast being able to trust with the process and being actually able to be part of what I missed the year before, which is, it, it was just like every every day, which is getting better and better in the pool. And then, <coughs> <coughs> my bad. You're good, you're good. <coughs> yeah, and then, um, I remember I was working on the RSF um, just to get some extra money. Um, Helping out the um the customers, and then we get the um. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah. <coughs> we'll take a break. Some water. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I'll get you water. No, I should got water here. Oh, you got water? Yeah. Okay, you good? Yeah. Yeah, we'll take a break. No worries. <coughs> we took it for a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was starting to feel it too, so don't worry. And you can drink water whenever you want. You're, yeah. You're good. But yeah, it was crazy. All the years is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting this, so I'm excited. But yeah, it definitely, it adds up for me too. Like three days in a row, I started a few Yeah, I don't know how you do it, man. Yeah. I'm already struggling here. Yeah. No, but, but um, <coughs> yeah, whenever you want to be drinking water, even during, you can have it like. No, I just have it. You're good? Yeah. Okay. If you ever need a break, just let me know. Let's see. All right, and we are back after a bit of a technical break. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you were saying that you were working in RSF uh, with the customers to make a little extra money. Yeah. And what what happened there? And then, uh, so I was actually working with a teammate. And then, you know, all this... Um, these people, these staff working with me start saying like, what is gonna happen? Uh, because we got the COVID news, but we didn't know that school was gonna get canceled, that work was gonna be canceled, that it was gonna be in lockdown. So everybody was worrying about like, going home, getting paid, you know, managing all their life. And uh, so, I finished my shift, it was like a 3 p.m. I think. I head back home and just, I just remember social media going crazy about all these news, about all these sports being canceled. And then I just started wondering, wait, is this actually affecting the uh, the um, college season? Like, is this affecting the U.S.? Because this was happening in Asia, right? So 
we didn't know how much it was gonna spread around the world. And then, you know, the hours keep uh, passing as they were like, I, I don't know, for some reason that day felt so long, just reading all the messages from people, social media, news. And so we finally get the uh, the message of saying like, okay, season is over, and not just the season is over, school is over, everything is over, we are gonna be in lockdown. Wow. And, uh, and it was, I don't think I had time, like enough time to reflect on, okay, this is like a global pandemic. I think I have enough time to just like head back home, not here in Berkeley, and and um, and just start start figuring out if the school is gonna be online or not, or what to do in my classes and my practices. But that's it. Wait. So when did you? Where were you when you got the news? I was still here in Berkeley. Oh, so you were here yeah, in Berkeley. We had like a week left before heading to the institute. Wow. Okay. Real quick, do you mind getting a bit closer yeah. to to the mic? Can you see yourself in the? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Okay. I just I was just checking here, but all good. You're good. Okay. There. Um. Okay. So you were in Berkeley. You got the news. Everything's going that way. Things went amazing. Pac-12, etc. Once we like, we don't have to make it too dramatic because everybody yeah. knows what happens, right? Like the pandemic hits, schools online, everything shut down. Cool. But what is interesting for me is you're an international student. Where did you go? Did you stay in Berkeley the entire time? Because I know there was some training or back to Spain. There was some training for a few days. Uh, and at that moment, I was still living, you know, with Ryan Hoffer, Ethan Young, uh, figuring out what I was going to do next year because uh, some of them were graduating. Um, and by that time, Marcos Rico was already here. And I, I, I don't think he was my... He doesn't deserve to be my best friend <laughs> yet at that moment. <laughs> but I was really good friends with him. And um, uh, I think his roommate left. Uh, he was at the dorms because he was a freshman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, ha- I was hanging out with him. He was a really close friend. I, I get him that. <laughs> um, so I was hanging out with him. Um, I think that day we had our practice. Um, the day I'm talking about, we had practice on Saturday. So we were hanging out on Friday. And, you know, since his roommate left, like, completely left, went home, uh, everything was empty. So I told him, like, yo, like, am I, am I need to crash here tonight? Is that okay with you? He's like, yeah, go, of course. He's still talking about the COVID. He's still talking about everything. We go to sleep. He wakes me up at 3 a.m. saying, uh, yo, I just had a call with my dad. I'm heading back to Spain in five hours. Holy shit. And I do, we have practice in four hours. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I'm going to go swim and then go to the airport and leave. Wow. Uh, like, okay, well, you're not doing this alone. <laughs> I'm going with you. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Out of, out of the blue. Out of, yeah. Yeah. This is at 3 a.m. Like, I was, I was already sleeping, but like, I don't know, like two hours sleeping. So when Marcos, Marcos wakes you up at 3 a.m. Yeah. What was Marcus doing up, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> Probably figured this out. Okay, <laughs> okay, this okay. Out, yeah. But how, how do you talk to your parents at any point? No. Did they know you I were talk- flying back? No. 
No, no, Dude, no, no, what? no, no, he, uh, yeah, he, what, what, what made you trust in Marcos to say, you know what, you're not doing this alone, I'm going with you, like, how, well, was the season canceled yet, or no? Yes. Oh, yeah, so everything was done. At this point, like, everything was canceled, we knew, uh, it was, like, a two weeks past the day that I w- we were told that everything was gonna be in, like, and it was already online? Yeah. Quick question, why were you crashing with, uh, with Marcos instead of, like, what happened in your apartment? Oh, no, nothing really. Oh, you were just crashing with him? Yeah, okay, was, okay, okay, yeah okay. it was just closer because I, w- I was hanging out at the dorms with him. Yeah. So instead of like heading back home because it's like, I don't know, a 50 minute walk or yeah. 20 minute walk, it's just easy to yeah. stay there because we have practice the same day there. Yeah, Blackwell, it was Blackwell, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're just walking across Super close to yeah, speaker. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, the thing is that this, is, this happened like two weeks after we were told that the NCAA season was going to be canceled. The school was going to be canceled, everything. So we have like a week or two weeks. So just hanging in there, figuring out what is going to happen. Um, and we started to get the news that the COVID was, was spreading around the world. We didn't know yet that it was going to be that huge. Um, but we saw so many countries, um, you know, just some people that they cannot leave the country, but they cannot enter the country. Uh, flights were being canceled. Um, so, I mean, I didn't tell my parents I was going to take the flight, but I did have a talk with my parents saying, like, I don't know if I'm going to, if I should be going back home, staying here, and um, yeah, so like it was like two weeks after Marcus waking me up at three a.m. saying, "I okay, you know, remember how we talked about this? It's happening right now." Wow, and and so yeah, how does the process of even buying the flight work? Like, you you're buying a flight what San Francisco to Spain in in that's gonna take my phone. five hours. Yeah. But where do you get the money from, like, if you didn't communicate with your parents? Like, how does all of this, like, logistically, how does yeah. this work? Logistically, that happens. So I get out of the room to call my parents. Lucky enough, they, have, they are nine hours of difference. They are ahead of us, so, like, they're fully awake. And I'll tell them, okay, Marcus is doing this. What should I do? And they're like, okay, you can, honestly, whatever you want. But if you want to join him, that's fine with us. I'm like, okay, I'll call you back later. <laughs> but I, when I send you the information about the flight... <laughs> Wow. So we just do that. Uh, we had to practice. We head back to the room. We pack everything because we we just sleeping. We didn't have. We had no idea we were gonna leave. So we pack everything, put out, like, all the clothes and luggage together, and uh, and we head to to Madrid. Wow. And in in Madrid, I know things are closed, in like pool wise and stuff. So well, two days after heading to Madrid, uh, they announced that. You know, flies are not gonna happen anymore. So you got, I got, I got extremely lucky. Wow. Yeah, and then I stay in Madrid, you know, until. Don't even remember how much time. I think. I think well past till everything was fine, uh, technically fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I stayed there until January of twenty twenty one. Oh shit! So you weren't here in the fall at all. No. Wow. Wait, 2021? No, I, I mean, the year is 2021, but you, you weren't here in the fall? No, maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Uh, I hit here... What was this? This is my third semester here. I know that. Third semester, so... One. I mean, your third semester is when you got yeah, shut down. January 2021, then, right? Yeah, because, okay, so you get here... January 2019, that was your yeah. first semester. Second semester, fall, 
August 2019, third semester, uh, spring 2020, COVID hits. You go back home, and it's either you're here in the fall training with a small group, or you go into season in January 2021. Yeah, I went into season straight up, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I said it right, yeah. Throughout that time, what was training like? Did you have access to a pool? How was your fitness? How did that look? Um... So this was, all of this happened in 2020. I didn't have a pool to train at until pretty much July of 2020. So it was really hard, what, how many months is that? Around five months. It was really hard for the fact that swimming, having time off of swimming sucks because sometimes we don't even need to have a great cardio. Uh, to swim fast, we just need to be around the pool, around the water, and you know, getting those feelings. Cause like, the the main difference between track and field and our sport is that, even though we are so, the main goal is to like, complete the distance, the fastest time as possible. Is that we cannot do that just by muscling our events. Uh, it's gotta look somehow relaxed. It's in a every skill. Movement. Yeah, it's skills. Yeah. So being five months away of swimming meant that it was going to take way more than five months uh, to get in shape. Yeah, I, I've heard that if you take a day off, it takes two days to get back into it. Yeah. If you take five months off, that's a long time. Yeah. Wow. So you start in July. You're training July up until season in the pool you have access to. But what are those trainings looking like compared to how you were training at Cal? Well, I actually text uh, Dave saying, uh, "Yo, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna stay here until like everything feels safe to travel." Because it's not just the uh, fact that I, I could be here at Berkeley; it's the fact that flying with random people on the plane is not safe, especially like a sixteen-hour flight. Um, so I told him that he said that it was just gonna be. It was just not gonna work out to have a program that is running at Berkeley. And you know, saying those practices to me when I was in Spain, so I was gonna, I was just gonna stick with my Spanish coach in Spain until January, and then make a switch, and hope that it's gonna work out. Wow! So did we it? Are, we are lucky now that it, it did work out. Okay. Yeah, not we wouldn't say we're fully satisfied, but we did well. Okay. Um, I think. I didn't win that 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 year. I didn't win the four AM, but I did post it, posted the fastest time of the meet and the B final. Yeah. Um, I swam a little bit too slow in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I think I got second in the two hundred AM and got uh, third in the two hundred breast. It's like really good results, uh, especially for the COVID season. Um, the only thing that it was not what we were looking for is that we got second. Yeah. Yeah, and a few steps back. Were you rooming with Marcos that year, or who were you roommates with? Um, the year when I came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 2020. 2021, January 2021, when you come back, COVID season, who were you, were you li- living with Hoff or with... Uh... Yeah, no, that year, that was the first semester I roomed, I roomed with, uh, with Marcos Rico. With Marcos Rico. Yeah. He got COVID that semester. He got COVID. That was with him. And he got sent by the trainer, uh, I think, I guess, for the from the Cal swimming program. 
he got sent to a hotel to stay there for the two weeks that he got COVID. And did you not? Just so he cannot pass it to me. Okay, so were you not together or how did that work? Because back then, I remember that if you got COVID, your entire house had to be isolated. Well, I I got a test and I, and I got negative. Okay. I think once or twice. So the ration was like, okay, we just send the Marcus away. We okay. send the Marcus a hotel for like a few, until he gets better. And you keep testing, you keep training, not with the guys of the team, but I was actually training by myself. Uh, we had a assistant coach. Uh, that was coming to look into my practices, not to close just in case, and and it, it didn't work out. Okay. But the funny part was like knowing uh, we were just talking, Marcus and me, and then he comes he comes out to me saying like, okay, I'm gonna go to this hotel. It's like five minutes away, but I cannot be with you, because you need to be in the team <laughs> for Pac-12 yeah, yeah, yeah. conference meet. Wow, wow, and and you go to the pac obviously dual meets. It's a mess with, with everything going on. Like, there is something, but but it's difficult. Um, and when you do go to Pac-12s, that story is actually another funny story that you have, right? You don't post a good time in the morning, and you go into the B-Final. What what event was that? Uh, that was the 4 a.m. No, yeah, exactly. The, 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 I, the I.M. Wait, NCs or Pac-12s? I thought it was Pac-12s. This was our NCs. At yeah. NCs. Pac-12s were fine. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw my second slower at that event, which is not it's not a lot. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I mean the second is one turn, one one yeah. kick. Yeah. You're you're so Pac twelves go well. You guys won again. Um. So that's fine. But that story specifically is very interesting to me. So your NCs two two a.m. Um. Or four a.m. I I raced both, but the one we're talking about is four a.m. Okay. So which is uh okay. This is a cool story, right? Twenty twenty one NCs. Your first NCs since 2018. Yeah. Wow. Such a long time. Such it didn't a... even feel like it was normal. I felt like it is ha- it's been so many years. Yeah, because it was. It's three years. Yeah. That's a long time. So you go, 4 a.m. What, what, what do you consider that to be your strongest event? Yeah. Okay, so your strongest event. And in the morning, you don't swim as fast as you want to. You go into the B final, you win the B final, and not only that, your time in the B final is better than the time in the A final, meaning you should have and could have won the national <laughs> title in the 400 IM. Take me through that. What happened in the morning, and how did you feel in the evening with that? Um, okay, before I talked th- about this, um, I think it's important to know that even though the 400 IM is my strongest event in yards. It's probably also one of one of the um, my the events that I swim. Of course, there are mild miters and like and 205. But from the events that I swim, that's the one that I hate the most. Because of the distance. Because of the distance. Because of how hard it is. Because um, how much it takes out of you. Okay. Every single time you race. Um, so we had this to this meet. It's still, you know, one of my best events. I cannot just say I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> um, so I I race the day before 200 a.m. It goes well. I get second. I go at PB, which means like okay, it is looking like I have more speed than the previous years, which is looking good for the next, for the day that is gonna happen before I am. I get to the front am. I I think I was ready to race. Get out the blocks, 
dove, dive in, um, you know, I start swimming. First hundred feels good, like n nothing too crazy, not too fast, but not too slow. It's still like letting kind of, kind of my heat. Uh, I head to backstroke, and you know, backstroke is one of my best strokes. Yeah. Um, yards, and I start seeing some people that shouldn't be faster than me passing me in backstroke, and that's just like the second part of the race. It's like fly back, person free. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, I either. I start going really fast on pressure on freestyle or is this just looking really bad um so i finished the backstroke leg switch to breaststroke i push from the wall and i can i can just see that there are like three people beating me that heat and the, you know only eight swimmers qualify for the a final which means like you know if you get fourth in just one heat the chances of making the final are really low yeah so you know, I keep swimming the event, um, trying to switch it, try to, you know, gear up that, that final of the, of, the, of the event. And for some reason, I feel like it was probably mentally. Yeah. But I thought it was physically. I, it feels like I just cannot keep up with the guys. Um, you know, I start fading. I touch the wall. Don't remember, I don't even remember what time it went, but it was just not good enough. Uh, head out of the pool. We all see that I... I you know, me and my team and everybody sees in the war that we didn't make the final. And um, so many people came out to me saying, hey, dude, it's okay, no worries. Uh, and I tried, like, through all this process, the only thing that was in my mind saying, it was just, it's okay, I gave my best. It's okay, don't worry, like, it's fine. I just got out of the warm-up pool and race tonight, we'll race tomorrow. So the morning wasn't the hardest part. The hardest part was heading to the B final, wanting to you know, gave my best shot because it was, it was the last shot I had before I am. That didn't matter if I wasn't going to make the A final. It, the hardest part was finishing that B final and looking at the board and seeing like a 10 second drop or almost like that and, and thinking, okay, what the hell? Like, okay, this is, this is great. Don't get me wrong, but this means I shouldn't be here. This time should have been in the A final. So like it, it was just a it was just a moment of pause of 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 starting thinking why, you know why didn't I swim fast enough in the morning, why didn't I put the work in why didn't I get prepared in the morning to do this because I I just I just did it you know the hardest part was supposed to be like swimming fast for me it wasn't it was like a mental stage like being ready in the morning, wow. and that was the hardest part just getting out of the pool, and I remember just. Don't know how many minutes I was just staying, looking at the times and saying, you know, like the eighth, uh, posting at three thirty something, three forty something, saying my time, being the fastest in the number number ninth or number tenth. I was like, yeah, that's that's insane. <laughs> that that's crazy. What was the reaction there? At the, I mean, I'm sure people were looking all over. How was the team reacting? The coaches, the people in the stands, like, I mean, I'm even sure somebody in the commentary said something. Like, what yeah. happened? Uh, well, we're we're lucky enough that we have a two more swimmers swimming the final. So we're all, all my team was like cheering for them. They were not they were not looking at me, and the hardest part for me was just like trying to cheer, try to celebrate because I swimmer got third, which is really good. Yeah. And I, I just remember staying there, 
no movements, speechless, like not saying a word, not moving, just like looking at the board, like the same way you like when you when you get an exam, you don't know what to write. <laughs> well, same thing, just looking at the board and saying, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know if I should go to the pool or head to the benches, or head to the hotel. Like I, don't, I have no idea what to do. It, did, it didn't feel real. Wow. Um, but um, yeah, then like after I felt like three minutes, which felt really long, I, I finally I decided like, okay, this happened. It's okay. We're racing tomorrow. We're still fighting for the title. Uh, so just get over with it. Yeah, I, I love I love that example of like when you get a test and you don't know. <laughs> Um, anyways, um, what, what do you think went wrong in the morning? You mentioned like the process, but what do you think it was? Um, I think it was kind of overconfidence okay. of thinking, okay, I swam really well two weeks before with way more training, not rested at all. I should be really, it should be really easy now, really easy now that we are actually focused on this meet, that we have more energy that I just went, I'm swimming faster because it just showed the day before that I went faster in the, in the shorter version of the high, on the IM, 200 IM. And it wasn't of the conference during the race. It was overconfidence in terms of like, I didn't, I didn't work on enough. I don't think I took it seriously enough to say, or to think, okay, this is going to hurt. Because every race is going to hurt if you, if you give you 100%. So... I just wasn't I wasn't ready for the pain in the warm up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um well well that's how that season goes and I would say let's go straight into the senior but something happened that summer, right? You you Yeah. What happened in the summer? It looked like you forgot what happened <laughs> that summer. No. No, no. 20 2021 uh, he went to Tokyo. Yeah, 2021. It was just a hell of a of hell of a summer. Yeah. Um, I don't even think the best moment was Tokyo. Wow. Um, we had European Championships, um, I want to say like two, three months after NCAs. Yeah. And um, I remember that. It was like a year ago right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just remember not being able to perform as well as I wanted. I didn't see just... just kept the fire going for the rest of the of the season and I actually swam sometimes that I thought I would never never achieve in my life. Wow. At Europeans. Yeah. That's insane. Like I, I saw sometimes there that like if I didn't hit, I was gonna be completely satisfied with my performance in swimming. Like I will retire without hitting those times, I'll be like fine. I did a great job. Wow. And that's, you know, the performance Europeans was um, the confidence, was the, uh, the, um, the final proof uh, of confidence to myself of saying like, okay, I can go to Olympic Games and compete with, with people, not just to participate. Because, yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, like being Olympian, is, it's, it's insane. It's not just, uh, it's not just being to worlds. Um, but... The, what the team showed me uh, after losing, you know, to Texas that year, and keep grinding for the summer, after <coughs> um, <coughs> sorry, you're good. Um, after accomplishing these times at Europeans, um, the um, yeah, I, I think the the word to describe it is just the fire of 
keep pushing to be the best at the Olympics is what has been um, dictating my career until now. And I still have that thought, like, you know, right now I have Worlds in a span of, like, a few months or one month. You have Olympic Games in two years, and I don't think I would be looking into these goals that I have right now without the performance that I had in 2021. Holy shit. So you don't think you can improve your times from last year? Um, that's part of it. Like, one of my goals uh, are not, I'm not, you know, placing, making a final Olympics or placing third, placing second or winning something. It's just being able to swim faster than last year. And, and that's it. Like, I'm not even comparing myself to anybody and I'm not breaking any records. It's just like, my goal is to be able to swim faster than last year because last year hit some times that I thought I could never do. Wow, okay, that is powerful. And again, it's why I like the sport so much, you know, because you you don't have to compare yourself to other people, right? You can say, yeah, I can reach third, second, first, anytime, reach the final, etc. But for you to have the goal of just looking at your own time is ridiculous, right? Because the only pe- person you're competing against is in your own lane. It's the guy in the mirror. It's it's who you have that you can control, right? You can control the effort. You don't control the result. And yeah. that is what you're doing right now with your own time, which is special. So is that what's continuing to drive you right now, just those times? Yeah. And that's like, you know, it's a double edge. It's not as easy, like, you know, getting up in the mirror and saying, not, visually, nothing has changed. Why would I be able to be faster than last year? But then you think about it again and you say, okay, nothing has changed. So it's really easy to like find something that I can change, make myself better, and be a better version of myself of last year. And you know, we are talking about swimming. We are not talking about a sport that takes like so many seconds. One tenth is enough. If I drop one tenth in one of my events, I'm happy. If I add one tenth, I'm not going to be happy. And, and it's as simple as that. That's insane. And it, it's like you did one time, like sometimes you can't even, you can't even stop that in the watch. Yeah. So, you know, it depends on how you look at it. You can look at it as, okay, it's really easy. It's just this difference, but it's, but it's not that easy. It's just that difference. And it's, it's insane because like you said, it's one turn, it's one stroke, it is one kick that can make that difference. And we're talking about doing it on the biggest stage in the world that only comes around every four years. Like, because if you do that in the NCs, you're going to be extremely happy. But if you do that in Paris coming up, like, that, that's, that's a different level, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it has happened. Um, after Europeans, um, I had a meet. It's called Maya Nostrum. It was in Barcelona. It's an international meet. I actually swam... I think I swung faster than the European Championship record. Wow. Nobody cared. Because it wasn't there. Yeah. Not even me. I didn't care. It was like, this is great. It didn't happen when it had, it had to happen. I think that time would have placed sixth or fifth of the Olympics. Doesn't matter. It's not the right moment. So wow. it's great to go back home and sleep at that time, but that's not what counts. And I'm assuming that it is, it, this happens in a lot of different sports. Like, you know, you can, the sports that takes a lot of skills, like gymnastics, they can perform as great as they can in a practice. But if they're not, if they're not, you're not score points with that. 
Yeah. Yeah, you could do it in practice. You could do it yeah. in season. You could do it in the semis of regionals or semis of nationals. But what counts is yeah. in that moment. I Interesting enough, mentioning gymnastics, right, from last year, um, I think that, yeah, the, in the regional championship on bars, Nevea D'Souza won. But at nationals, Maya Bordas was a national champion on bars. And it's the exact same event, two different people, two different events. And one goes down as a regional champion and the other goes down as a national champion. And it's the exact same movements. It's just different time, different placement, different judges. Yeah. And that just happened. So it's it's weird because in a way, you're making me understand this as um, success is when opportunity meets practice or meets preparation right i never see things this way because of how i live through soccer through my perspective my lens but from your perspective that is the case it's it's when opportunity meets preparation pretty much right because obviously you have to be prepared yeah. but it's it's any given day that it could happen or any given day that it that, that it yeah. won't it's like it's like it's like what i'm doing right now on on tiktok which is funny right like i take these podcasts and I just put them down into tiny clips. And to me, right now, I'm posting five, six, seven, eight, nine a day. So I'm just posting. Because to me, in my head, every single one is a lottery ticket. And any day, it could hit. And right now, all right, first episode of that, I started releasing again. It was before, or no, it was when I was talking to you and Marcos at dinner. Yeah. I hadn't posted this clip yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. One, two, okay. 100 views, 200, 500, 600. 10k first one hits and i'm like oh yeah fun the week after that posting 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 many a day many a day many a day one of them wins the lottery and that's kyle millis uh, episode and right now it's at like as of right now when we're talking i don't know where, where it will be um when it's posted but as of when we're talking it's at seven hundred sixty six thousand. And that just blew up. And that, and that's the lottery ticket, you oh know? Oh, my God, yeah. Out of nowhere. And it's the same thing I'm doing right now with Neve's episode. One, two, three, four. And and one of them is at 1K, 3K, 4K. And, and it's just lottery ticket. But it's the same thing you're saying. Yeah, you have to keep trying. You cannot stop trying. That's the thing, yeah. Wow. And it's insane. This, this is my favorite part right here. I was talking to another swimmer during the week. And we were talking just on how relatable things are. Our programs are not at the same level. That's fine. You and I are not at the same level athletically. I'm just not at your level athletically. I accept that. I know that you being a two-time Olympian, if I'm an Olympian once in my life, I am extremely happy. You're thinking about the third time. I don't even think I'll be an Olympian, right? And, and I recognize that. But the fact that we can sit down at the same table, have a conversation, and be able to relate it, I think that's the best part. That's why I have yeah. the podcast, right? Because doesn't matter if you're a student, if you're a student athlete, if you're doing content, like this is all relatable. Your opportunities and preparation as a swimmer, same thing as me as in content, right? Or during the week, I've been studying with one of my friends and she's a normal student, right? Uh, I always give her shit about this. I, I call her a NARP, but um, I, I'm messing with her. But the way she studies for finals is the way one of you would be preparing for for NCs or for the Olympics. Like, she is locked in, waking up 5 a.m. to review, staying up until 10, 11, like, just reviewing, reviewing, studying, memorizing. And that, to me, is, like, incredible how relatable 
it all is. So yeah. going back to your story, Europeans amazing, Barcelona is amazing, but it's not that time. You go to the Olympics. First of all, what's that experience like? Just being in Tokyo during a pandemic, everything is locked down. What's it like? But it's still the Olympics, so I mean... It's just the Olympics, uh, but it's insane the fact that it didn't feel like them. Not all the time, but like there were some parts that it didn't feel like them just because, you know, we will, we will try to get out of the village just to, like, explore the city and, you know, see the difference in the people and the culture and the, and the air and everything. And we couldn't just because, just because of COVID. Um, there were so many restrictions that we had to follow because it's not just that. So, so there are so many different athletes from different countries maybe in the same place. It's just that every single one of them have a, like, it's not, it's not the fact that two countries or like various different countries are meeting together. It's like every single guy within that country has a different background. And you could have been in any part of the world. So when you, when you celebrate Olympics, there are only a few countries that are not participating. Mm-hmm. It's worldwide. So the risk is insane. Uh, especially in you know, like a global pandemic, um, but taking that out, like you know, the the biggest change was the Olympic Village of like having all the measurements, the masks on, not being able. Well, the dining hall. Now that I remember, there were like kind of like plastic screens in front of everybody, um, in front of you and on your sides, so you couldn't see. Like you can, you couldn't barely talk to your teammates or your friends who were sitting down. And it was so annoying. You had to wait until you get out of the dining hall to talk. Um, but, you know, uh, other than that, once you get into the swimming pool, it felt like Olympics. The, you know, you get to the swimming pool, you look up in the stands, and they don't feel like stands. They feel like a stadium, which is insane for us. For us, we normally have, like, stands on the sides, and that's it. We walk through the door, um, and we see all these lights. We see... All the people that are cheering, because, you know, fans couldn't be there, but we will be our own fans. Yeah. We'll have our teammates up there. So watching all these slides, watching all these people on the stands, and feeling like you're about, I mean, I'm sure it feels normal for you, but like, uh, feeling that you're about to start a, like, a football game or a soccer game, it's just unbelievable for us. Um, so all the excitement was there. Uh, and it was just amazing. It was amazing. That's so, so awesome. Um, yeah, that, that's incredible. Um, when you were there, I, I mean, obviously there's other members of Cal's program. I know even your coach was there. Did you get a chance to see them or talk to them? Uh, yeah, I had a chance to. Um, couldn't really talk about swimming because, you know, they were representing the USA. I was representing Spain. So yeah. like, it was limited, the content that we are allowed to. Uh, but it was still great. And I think that was part of the reason why the 100 back final, was my first event, went so great because I made the final and I had Ryan Murphy in the same heat. So that took so much pressure out of me. and It made me feel like, okay, this is one more practice. Just, you know, really fast people, but it's just one more practice. I've done this so many times, it's fine. And I actually went best time there, which is great. I placed sixth. Um, I think Ryan Murphy got, I don't know if he got second or third. And the struggle was when I headed to 200 IM because I had no teammates next to me. And it, was, it, it did feel like I was by myself. Okay. You know, normally at Cal here, there are so many people cheering at the NC2A's 100 back final. I had Morph there. 
200 IM, we have a team, but so much smaller compared to the American team. So much smaller compared to the Cal team. And it felt again that I was, it didn't feel normal. You know, I I didn't know how to race. I was just like, kind of like, okay, let's try to make these 200 as fast as possible, but that's not how you swim. What you have to actually think, you have to know how much energy you're spending each leg and control all of that. And it really felt like I was alone. Yeah, I mean, talk about hanging out with the greats, right? You were so used to it that, oh, you see Murphy, and it's like, wow, I'm back in my comfort zone when many people probably see Ryan Murphy and they're like, holy shit, this yeah. is going to be a race for you. It was like, let's go, finally, like one of my bros. Yeah, That's crazy. I mean, yeah, congrats on that. Sixth is insane. Like, I think just being, a, just being an Olympian alone, full respect, two-time Olympian, <laughs> absolutely all respect. Yeah. Olympic finalist, wow, like that is absolutely incredible congratulations and even 11th in the 2im i know i know you have high yeah. standards i get it but congratulations like that is that's insane i i didn't realize this i've had olympians on here before but you're the first male olympian that i've had on here oh so, thank you <laughs> awesome yeah, i just realized that right now because the awesome. the olympic conversations i had or sorry no i'm it's not because bjorn was here oh bjorn yeah there you go sorry bjorn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but yeah i mean i haven't talked about the olympics since I talked with him, which is back in November. So yeah, it's been a while, yeah. but that's awesome. Congratulations. And everything's going well. I'm sure you rested after that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you took time off. How, how did that go for you after such a great year? But we're, we're getting into more things, right? So that's a, mm. that's one of your best years up until now. We're, we got to think about Probably my best year ever. Yeah. We got to think about where we were at the beginning. Yeah. That kid from Auburn and in this, yeah. like, completely different level, right? Yeah. Yeah, in both, like, physically and mentally. Physically, mentally, you're, you're happy now. Yeah. You're loose. You're... I, yeah, it just feels like I'm up. don't want to say home because my parents aren't here, but, like, in terms of, like, my life, my routine, I feel like home. It feels, not saying easy, just saying it feels like I feel comfortable in this situation. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure, like... I'm getting to the point I'm going to miss it, not because time passes, but because it's just great to be here. Yeah. And I get it too. Like for me, this felt like my freshman year in a way because it's the first school year that I've had that it's normal. And even for me, like I'm leaving in a few days and I called my mom today and I called some of my friends and I'm like, this feels nostalgic to me. And it's like, I'm coming back. I'm literally coming back in a week, <laughs> in one week. And it's like, why am I feeling so nostalgic about Berkeley? And honestly, I love UC Berkeley. I love Cal. I love Cal Athletics. Like, I love being here. And it's the first time I've fully been here. And it's like, damn, like, I don't want to, I don't want to go. <laughs> I love home. I love my family. I want to see them very badly because I haven't seen them all year. But, but yeah, I feel you. Great. All of that happens. Yeah. What are your goals after that? Like, there's only so much you can set, or what type of mentality do you have? Is it like, all right, mission accomplished, or immediately done, next? What type of guy are you? Um, well, I'm the type of guy that keeps updating um, its goals. I feel like after, after the 2021 season, with like after the COVID, you know, the post-COVID season happened, I had certain goals. That if I achieve, like for example, I, it's easy for me to talk about times. So if I swam about a second slower and 100 back, 
and about the same time or a second or so in 200 a.m., I would have been okay with quitting swimming at that time. If any ha- if anything happened, okay, I'm not okay. saying I wanted to quit, but like you know, if I got injured, yeah, and I had a little bit slower season in 2021, I would have been like, okay, this is probably really close to my to the level that I I could have ever been. Um, after 2021, I took a great break. Um, it was actually hard to get out of shape again, get in shape again. Um, but after that. I started thinking, okay, there are quite a few things that I didn't really do that if I implement that in my routine, I can probably be faster. So that the the thought of, okay, I do believe I can be faster, it's also, um, it also implies uh, that you're going to have this thought of, okay, then that wasn't your best. Then you should be a con- you shouldn't be satisfied with what you've done already. You could do more. Were you satisfied at any point? I was satisfied. I I, I don't want to say I was mad. I was I was happy. But like I I could still do more. Yeah. And that's what is driving me right now. You know the the uh, I think the biggest issue that if that can happen to me is that if I head to world championships in a month, and I swim crazy fast. And I started thinking, okay, that was my best. I don't think I can match that ever. Then I started thinking, okay, what's the point of keep swimming then if I couldn't do that again? Yeah. So it was it was actually great to like have that moment of relax and time off from the pool, time off from school, and thinking, wait a second, that was really great, but like that wasn't perfect. So let let me understand this. You took time to be satisfied. You took time to celebrate, but then you reflected. And it's like, hey, yeah. there's more to this. There's more I can yeah, do. Yeah, and the easiest example for this, just plain people, is I did swim slower at the Olympics than in a random meet in Barcelona. Okay, why wouldn't I be able to swim as fast in Barcelona at the Olympics and get the same result that I already did with, uh, you know, instead of placing the 11th in Tokyo, placing actually fifth Olympics twice. That's already a better result, right? Yeah. So that's what's driving me right now. It's like, okay, if I was able to do it, I don't know, like a Saturday in Barcelona, why would I be able to do this again in Paris? And that's what's driving you right yeah. now. Yeah, it's that constant pursuit of excellence, right? It's what keeps us going, not the fact that we've already done thing, something and that we're that good, but the idea that something else yeah, is possible. That knowing that you exists. have the chance. Yeah. Knowing that that chance exists, it's, yeah. it's the gasoline that keeps, yeah. keeps going. Amazing. Well, you come back from that, and I mean, you said it took you time to get into shape, but you were king of the pool uh, and, and right away. So, I mean, things were going well for you. For those that don't know, that's a meet at Cal Poly, and you guys compete in five events, and it's 100 for every single one of the events. You took first in the back and the IM, no shocker there, right? Yeah. Your two best events. And then second and third in the other three events, king of the pool. How are you feeling coming back and being like, wow, that's your first king of the pool, right? Okay. Uh, Honestly, it was super unexpected. Okay. Because at that moment, I was still thinking, okay, it's time to keep working and getting in shape. I'm not ready to swim fast. And then first meet, I'm already hitting, for me, I'm already hitting like fast times, like getting like 0.05 away from my best time. And I'm thinking, okay, this is great. Like, you know, like, luck can happen one day. 
So I'm 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 still not super excited about it because it's one me one day, not even like several days. So we keep going from dual me to dual me, and I keep getting faster and faster without really feeling like I was I, I've been ready. Like feeling like okay, I, there are so many things that I can I can still do better, like sleeping better, going to bed early, waking up, warming up, stretching, for example. So I I started doing these things and I keep getting better and better, and I'm like. And that's that's what I after first five dual meets is when I started thinking, okay, this is looking really well, even better than the season before, and that's when I started getting my hopes high. Yeah. Wow, dude, this it excites me. Like <laughs> genuinely, it's exciting because I know what's coming. Um, we'll dive straight into it, honestly, because I mean the dual meets are fun, but. I came to personally realize that they're not as important. I used to watch you guys and I'm like, oh, this is sick. And then I realized that even just with the tech suits, like it's a completely different level. Yeah. You guys aren't even shaved, which I, I didn't really know about. Um, so ju- just with that real quick, with what you've mentioned, do you have a specific routine now? You mentioned that you didn't warm up properly at NC's, la- or not this year, but last year, and then caffeine at Pac-12's last year as well. So do you have a specific routine now with like, Stretching, morning prep, caffeine, like how does that work for you? Um, well, I got to the point to that I really started to know how my body works. Okay. In terms of like, yeah, I took caffeine in 2020 and I swim really well. I swim really well for 100 a.m. I took, again, caffeine, uh, packed on NCAs 2021. I got second at 2 a.m., couldn't really sleep for the 4 a.m. Yeah. So I started to think, I started to like really get to know how much caffeine I should take. It's not just the caffeine, that's it. Uh, you you had to know how much you're taking of everything. Is it coffee or energy drinks? Uh, for me, it's just, it was pre-workout. Okay. Um, you know, there's a difference in between drinking water or making sure you drink water before going to bed and after you wake up. There's a difference between if you drink water right before a race or like an hour before a race. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. then it's not great if you have to go to the bathroom right before going for a max effort of two minutes or four minutes. So I got to the NC2As this year and I, like, I felt like I was in control of everything that I was doing. Um, and that, you know, just not just my performance, but like watching all of our guys knowing what to do. And like, man, like... It's not even it's not even just saying. You can see in our faces how hungry we were to bring the title back after losing to Texas. And after having the season that we thought we could win again cancelled because of COVID. Exactly. So we like we've been waiting we've been waiting for this season for two years. Yeah. Or three years. It depends on how you look at it. But it's just so long. You know, like working being being able to work with the guys, the same guys every single time, bringing back the fifth year, um, guys, one more year just to pursue this dream because they, you know, they they love swimming, but it was time for a lot of them. It was time to move on, as you can see, like some of them just quit swimming already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens, but the main objective for some of them wasn't even to swim fast. It was just to help the team to bring the title back. That's and, and they did it, and. I, me and so many people as a seniors can see that they're not they're not stepping on the pole deck to to be their best times. They're not like you can see it. Like sometimes some of the practices, you could see the pain and how hard how how tired they were, and try to cheer them on. 
and by the tone of the response that they will give you when you say like come on man you can do it they will not tell they will not tell you yes i can do it or okay they will say like no shut up but not in a bad sense in the sense of like i don't need i don't need you to cheer for me i'll cheer for you wow but they leave me alone like if i'm struggling i'm struggling don't focus on my times wow and and you know like this year you could see how like some of the, some of them like Bryce Murphy for example he was an Olympian this year I mean it's really hard to explain in words in, in words how hard he's worked to be the second best American to turn back this year showing up to NCAs next year and uh, you know just making the final and scoring points was his objective goal he, was, he wasn't really trying to like win the race he was just trying to give us points you could really feel that it was a team effort. It wasn't like we were not swimming, but we were not racing for individual titles. It didn't matter at all. That's so special. That's so, so, so special. Um, that's that's crazy, and it's why you're national champions, right? It's that mentality that you guys have that, that keeps you going. That's crazy. I mean, it's from from the entire year, but even January 1st, you guys know, like, dry season. You're straight into it. You're locked in. No messing about, and... And you did that three months later, and, and it's not even those three months, it's the two years, three years of that cycle that kept you going. Um, in terms of controlling the controllables, you controlled everything in your power, and that's why you had such a good performance, right? But let's go back to Pac-12s. You were still a Pac-12 champion. Were you? Yeah, you were a Pac-12 champion this year in the 2IM and the 4IM, right? No. No? Uh, I think this year, 2022? Yeah. I didn't win. Didn't win any title. I didn't in Pac-12? I won one title. It was a really title. In Pac-12s? Yeah. Really? No, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's the... This is the... In national... I must have gotten the, the wrong year, but the point is, I remember specifically, speaking about controlling the controllables yeah. in the Pac-12s, when you had the, the tech suit that was uh, this... <laughs> when you were wearing the Spanish tech suit and you had yeah. to go back and change... What, what was that? You you didn't control the controllables there, so what yeah. happened there? Um, so I didn't know about this rule that there is a limit of the logo size that we can wear in our, in our suits. So I, you know, I didn't I didn't tell my coaches, but because I didn't think it was something that we had to talk about. I didn't think it was going to be something that was going to play a role, especially because, you know, we are allowed to wear the suits at the Olympics and Worlds. So I'm saying, like, why would it be illegal to wear it and encourage me? Um, so, yeah, I put this uh, Spanish suit head to the 200 IM final because uh, I normally race with uh, older suits, suits that I think are not great in the morning, so I can have, like, a little extra uh, psychological advantage for myself. Um so I head to the final, and after stepping on the blocks, I, um, you know, I've been, I was, uh, I'm told by my coach, uh, assistant, oh no, volunteer coach, that I'm not, like, you know, step down and, like, change suits. And, you know, to put a Texas on, usually it takes, like, 20 minutes. Wow, 20 minutes to put a tech suit on? Yeah. Wow. Because it's not, it's not, like, it's not just super tight, but like, once you get it, it's, like, it's not just, a piece of clothes that you can wear. It has to be like, it has to uh, be perfect in every single angle. 
Otherwise, you're either going to feel weird or water is going to get in. So I am told to change suits. I head to the, I don't even know what what room this was, but I head to a random room, change suits. Obviously, it's not it's not great. I just put in like two minutes. It it has a, like, yeah, it's just not flat at all. Yeah. Um, there's our um, whistling for the uh, you know to for the swimmers to get on the box, and I'm not even there yet because I'm still tying my suit <laughs> so it doesn't fall. That's it. I saw I saw you. Yeah, you were tying. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. Uh, so I get on the box. You know, I have an awful race. Um, kind of feel bad for my uh, racers at uh, that moment because you know I made them wait for like extra long time, uh, which is not never great. Um, I don't know what I placed, but I should have been racing for the win. Um, doesn't mean I had to win, but you know I was in that title contender for that for that meet. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that was like a moment of realizing, okay, it's time to be professional out of the water. You know, be in the water, it's fine. You know, I know how to race. It's time to get everything ready, making sure that all these. All these little mistakes happen in the conference meet, not at the NCAA championships. All right, and let's go straight into that. What happens at NCs? I know what happens, obviously, yeah. but take me through that, especially the the 400 IM race. It's your first 400 IM A final at NCs, yeah. which is insane to think because the year before you should have won it, and not only that, your first year at Cal, the team wins, but you weren't there. The second year you were here at Cal, you're having a great season so far, but then COVID hits. The season after that, you do amazing, but then you show up and it's the B final that you're in instead of when you could have won it. And that point differential, hate to break it to you, but it yeah. could have made the difference between you guys winning or Texas winning and Texas ended up winning. Yeah. So you get to this year, you made that little mistake in Pac-12s, but now you're ready. Take me through that 400 AM final in the NCAA. So, um, I think everything started uh, in the morning. Um, not even the final, in the morning. Um, you know, I raised the 200 IM the day before. Uh, I actually hit a PB, but instead of placing second, as I did the year before, I placed sixth. So, I'm real- I started to realize, okay, this minute is going to be insanely fast. Not just because it's fast by itself, but because... There are so many programs last year that couldn't train as well as they wanted to, same as us. Yeah. That now they can, and now they're swimming, swimming faster. So, I, at this point, I my main goal was like, I wasn't even thinking about the final. I I was thinking like, okay, this pro, I'm gonna treat this um this morning swim as it was the final. I'm gonna get you know, the place that I listen to, the right songs, I'm going to get the caffeine ready in the morning, I'm going to get the proper warm-up, I'm going to get... And, you know, the, the worst part of the warm-up is, bec- is that you have to get your heart rate high just so it doesn't feel exhausting when you're doing it in a race. You have to get used to, like, that little pain for, like, a few seconds yep. or a few minutes just so you feel normal when you're racing. So I get to the morning. Um, there are... Normally, uh, it's not by order. Normally, like the last three heats, the last three heats are the fastest ones. But the fastest swimmer goes in the last heat. The second fastest swimmer goes in the second to last heat, and the third fastest swimmer, which is me in that moment, goes in the third third to last heat. 
So it's not it's not like I can know what the other guys are doing. Um so yeah, I just decided to treat that as a as it was a final. Wow. I, you know, I dive and fly. The guys are already a bit behind and you know, all my mindset was like, it doesn't matter, you're not saving energy, just keep sending it, keep keep pushing. Um so yeah, I swim I think I swam the best time ever. Um, just in the morning. It yeah. was a qualifying. Like, I really didn't need to, uh, but I feel like I needed to just to be mentally ready. Because uh, for me, it feels like if I'm not giving 100% or a 99%, I'm giving an 80. There is no 90% for me, uh, especially in that event because it's such a long race that as soon as you start feeling off, it affects everything. Wow. So, yeah, I hit the fastest time I've ever swam in that event. I think it was the third fastest time in history at that, that time. All good. Uh, touch the wall, break the cow record, getting high, but, you know, trying to control my emotions because then, like, the, the, the following thought is not, okay, I just broke the cow record. That's good. No, the first thought was, like, okay, made the final. Time to calm down so I have energy for the final. Head to the warm-down pool, and I, then I see Carson Forster going 333, like, point, like, Three tenths away for the American record. And I'm like, okay, this is getting this is getting really really intense. <laughs> I mean, I just yeah, my time would have won so many NCAA championships, but now it's just it's only the second fastest time in the meet, and we have we still have one more heat to go, which is uh, Leo Marchand, which is like a crazy French guy. It's, he had an insane Pac-12s and then NCAAs. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah, he just broke the NCAA record the day before the 200 in, which is the short version. But he was the Olympic finalist before I am at Tokyo. So he, this guy, this dude knows how to swim. Um, so we finished the morning swims. Carson Forster qualifies, qualifies first. I qualify, sec- qualify second. And Marshawn, I think, qualified, I'm not sure, like sixth. But, you know, we all know he was going to swim fast. Oh, it's in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think the um, the objective the whole, of the whole day was to try to stay away from social media and ignoring the fact that I broke the... <coughs> Sorry. You're good, you're good. <coughs> yeah, so um, the whole objective was uh, to ignore social media and to ignore how fast I swam and just focus on things that I could improve for the final. Even though that was already hard, because I, as I told you, I, I, I treated that as a final. There was nothing else that I could have done in the morning. So, and then, yeah, we, we head to finals. We have Jason Lazar in the B final. Um, he swam, he, I think he won the B final. So I have a little bit little moment of resemblance and thinking, oh, I, that happened to me the, the year before. So I gave him a hug. He's walking back from the pool, and as I'm walking to the wood blocks. And I just remember, um, I just remember looking at my lane, looking at the right, seeing, you know, Carson Foster, who has the second fastest time in history at that moment, almost breaking the American record, having Leo Marchand, who broke the, the NCAA record, which is faster than the American record, in lane eight, which just means like I'm not gonna be able to see him. Like it doesn't matter what happens if he goes fast, I, I won't know during the race. Do you usually like to see the guys who are next to you? Um, yeah. 
Okay. I mean, it's a great reference to know, like, if you are doing well or not. So this means, like, for a 4 a.m., which is a long event, you have no idea what happens until you touch the wall and you turn and you see the result. Um, so I just remember looking at the lane and then having a moment of a switch and saying, like, okay, this is not finals anymore. This is, like, this is just push to the limits. Like, if I don't make it, if I don't make it to the wall at the end, doesn't matter. So my plan, normally I have a plan of like having a certain speed of each leg of the 4IM and, and that's it. So if you go too fast and fly, for example, you're not going to make it back. If you go too, back, too fast on, on backstroke, you might be ahead of by that point of the race, but then you won't be able to do a great breaststroke or great freestyle. And I just remember saying the blogs and saying like, okay, doesn't matter. Screw all the plan. Screw, screw everything that we plan for. Let's just go for it. And so we started the race. I, uh, you know, I, I, I finished the fly leg. I'm already touching first. I could see that. Like I touched first, and that was that was the moment. I was like, okay, this is working. I'm not tired yet. Let's keep pushing. I get to the backstroke, finish backstroke. Normally, that's my worst leg, even though it's my best stroke. It's my worst leg because I came off a fly, and I'm still touching first. And that, and I feel like that's um, what finally sent me to, uh, you know, to the result that I'm about to tell you. It's that I touched backstroke. That was 50% of the race. And I pushed from breaststroke. And I, the only thought that I had in mind was all the practice that I've done with that. Uh, especially with Destin uh, Lasko, which is a great swimmer, great teammate. And especially Reese. is our best backstroker uh, of the 200 by far. Uh, so I just remember all the practice that I've been with him, all the pain, and just like knowing that he was watching and me in every single stroke trying to show him, dude, like, look at what you've done. You helped me be fast, and I'm going to show you how fast I've become thanks to you. So I finished the breaststroke leg. I think it was probably one of the fastest ever. And I just had to freestyle. I'm like three bodies ahead of everyone. I'm just like, okay. It, I'm not even tired. I don't know how, but I, I'm still looking great. As soon as I turn and push from the wall, there is no energy left. It feels like my tank went from 100% to like zero. <laughs> but I know I'm still three bodies ahead, so I still know that I, I, I can still win the race. So I keep like, you know, trying to finish the freestyle. It's, it was, I think it was the um, second slowest uh, split of all guys in the final. But... You know, I still managed to finish the, the freestyle leg and just touch the wall. I think I still have a little bit of time to look at the very la uh, end uh, lane, which is Leon Marchand. I think I saw him getting second or third. Uh, so I know I won. I look back at the cow fans, look back at my teammates, look at, back at, like, you know, just the cow section. It's just all the excitement of, of like, proving them that I, am, I was bored to be part of this team. Because that was kind of the disappointment I got from winning the B final uh, last year instead of the A final. It was like, guys, like, we fucked this. I'm like, I deserve to be here. And you guys, you guys deserve this result. Not me, but you guys. Wow. That's insane. And like we said at the beginning, you were with the greats. You hung out with them. You've been training with them. You've been there. And now you proved why you deserve to be with the grace and why now 
you're the greatest 400 IM swim ever in the NCAA. You have the record now. And you yeah. won the national championship in that with a 332.88, which is insane. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's insane. <laughs> you guys go on to be NCAA champions. I remember watching the, the last relay, the 400 free. Yeah. Uh, I you I mean you closed it off. You guys won that as well. So, individual national champion, relay national champion, team national champion. I was I was actually in Madrid that day, oh. and I all nightered, just watching it. And <laughs> I remember, insane. yeah, I I was watching. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to sleep. And I I watched you finish that, and that was insane. Uh, four time All American. That's insane, and what a year. Yeah. What a year. Thank you. Yeah. What what's what's next for you? Um you have a fifth year coming up or or what's that looking like? I have the option. I have the option to take a fifth year just like the guys did this year. Um so it's not a I thought it was going to be a no. I thought after the 2021 season I was actually it was actually going to be my last the 2022 was going to be the last season cuz as I told you once for me, once you reach um, specific goals, my problem is that I start thinking that I'm not going to be able to repeat that. You know, because I, I look at, at, at least at swimming, not a lie, but in swimming, I look at times as a, a um, kind of like a scale. So there is, gonna be, there is always going to be a limit for each guy in each event. Um, but... The goal as a, as an athlete should be to get the closest limit as possible, and you know I don't think you're ever gonna get that because there's always something that you can do better. There's always one minute of extra sleep, extra stretch, extra work, extra technique that you can do. But the goal should be to get as close as possible. After the 2021 season, I thought that I was really close, so I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna extend that over 2023. But, you know, here we are still thinking about taking a fifth year. Okay. I mean, you have the fifth year option. I think you even have the sixth year option, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens in the future. But for now, you have Worlds in a month. Um, Europeans as well? Europeans in August, yeah. Yeah, so you have a busy summer. I will definitely be watching. I'm very excited. You, you've you gained a fan today. You know, <laughs> like, I I definitely was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're friends. We met once. Cool. But no, you, you gained a, a real fan today. You, like This was super inspiring, and I love to get to know your your story. Um, just to close off real quick, I have some questions out of curiosity. Um, a bit quicker questions, but we'll see. How difficult was it for you to change from meters to yards? Really difficult at first. Yeah, like, I don't even assume the same events. Yeah. <laughs> and that's crazy. Like, my best event in meters is backstroke. My best... Oh, my best stroke in meters is backstroke. My best stroke in yards is breaststroke. I don't even race that in meters. Like, yeah. I only race I mainly I am and and backstroke in meters, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. So so you know what? I've never done this before, but let's let's do it right now. Three rapid fire questions. Alright? Okay. Yards or meters? Uh yards. Songs uh, before the race, rap or reggaeton? Uh, rap. Rap, okay, interesting. And last one, language, Spanish or Portuguese? Uh, Spanish. Okay, 
Okay, interesting. Because yeah. yeah, I know yeah. I know you're trilingual. So before the meet, you're listening to rap. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, don't get me wrong. I love reggaeton. <laughs> it's just uh, it brings me memories that I cannot bring with me in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love it. I do love it. Yeah. No. That, that's that's awesome. Um, well, looking forward to to everything you have. I mean, I I definitely had a, a few more questions um but i think i'll i'll leave with one more because of what you said with the hydration yeah is it like in practice you're drinking water sometimes or things like that mm-hmm. do you guys pee in the pool <laughs> um what i can answer it's that there are so many more swimmers than you think than people think that pee in the pool I can only say that. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. It's an interesting way to finish. Really looking forward to what's in store for you, whether that's a fifth year, whether that's Worlds, Europeans, uh, Paris, because um, I know 2016 was in Rio, which is a special place for you. Um, Tokyo was a bit weird, but it's awesome. But I know you're definitely looking for that. Uh, like I said, you gained a fan today. This is the most fun I've had here in a very, very long time, that's honestly, awesome. <laughs> which is awesome. Um, I don't know why I... First time I've ever timed an episode today, and it's the longest I've ever recorded. Oh, really? How, wow. <laughs> how, long, how long do you think we've gone? Uh, I had no idea. I lost track of time. Um, have we been, let's say, let's say two hours. Two and a half hours right now. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's awesome, but okay. the amount of clips we're going to get from this is, because yeah. I'm not sure how many people will watch two and a half hours, Yeah. but we will have endless videos coming out from this which will, will be awesome. awesome but yeah we went from early 6 p.m to nighttime i don't know if you Just, heard yeah uh, i actually not seen any natural light which is yeah. i mean yeah yeah and i mean the the girls upstairs they went through a pregame. i don't know if you oh, if you listen but they were partying like, yeah. at some point yeah so <laughs> and <they stopped. laughs> yeah and they already stopped so they already they they started we the whole party yeah Literally, we started the podcast and they started their pregame and finished their pregame and they're probably going out now. So shout out to them. I'm not going to say their names, but they know who they are. But anyways, um, that's pretty much it. Is there anything yeah. else you, you'd like to say? Um, not just. Well, yeah, there's, there's something more that I wanted to say yeah. is uh, that, um, you know, keep looking for this podcast because I'm getting better and better. And I just can't wait to see how, how far you get. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And. I'm hoping that wherever it is uh, that life leads you and leads us, uh, that I can do this again sometime with you, uh, whether that's here or in Madrid or wherever it is. Uh, I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. So thank awesome. you so much. Um, and to everyone that watched on YouTube or listened on Spotify, thank you guys so, so much. Um, if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're on Spotify, please follow the podcast. That's it for today. I'll see you guys next time. That was great. That was great. That's it. <laughs> yeah, probably the last thing that I would like to uh, kind of repeat is the question about peeing in the pool. I feel like I need to pay some honors <laughs> to the uh, to the swimmers. That's a bad response. Yeah, the, that you wait. What do you mean? Uh to repeat the answer. You, you want to repeat the answer? Yeah. You want to repeat it right now? Yeah. I haven't cut it out. We get. We're literally still yeah, recording. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, it. do it. I mean, I'm not gonna cut this out at all. Like, no, like this, this is this is live. Yeah. Yeah. We're, keep keep talking. Yeah, yeah. We're good. Yeah, yeah. I need I need to get explanation. <laughs> I cannot leave my uh, my senior fellow uh, teammates that bad. <laughs> All right. So the question was, do you guys pee in the pool? Um, I gotta say, um, 
there are probably more people than think that pee in the pool. Uh, but there are also so many um, more um, safety measurements to keep everyone safe that you think. There you go. So the first response, we'll, we'll bleep it and we'll, <laughs> I'll figure something out. But yeah. safety measurements do take place. Is We're it, good. Is it true? Uh, but yeah, I had to like pay some honors to the team. You're good. You're good. I mean, I'm, I'm, it was more of a joke. Yeah. And I, and I think people will know that. So that's it. Are, are we good? Yeah, we good. We good. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you guys all. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Damn, two hours and a half. That's that's just insane. I mean, I enjoyed it.